All right, I don't know what we're naming this thing. I don't know what we're calling it. Let's call it the Stick to Sports Amateur Hour Podcast mashup here. I wanted to reach out to two of my favorite Chiefs people and give you guys some content to get you ready for the start of the season. The Chiefs play on Thursday. They have the season opening game. We'll go through the schedule. We'll go through our thoughts about the team, how I feel, how you guys feel. I want to introduce his darkness and Ryan Scott Hall. You don't ever tweet anymore, Ryan. What happened? Well, I mean, I, I use the... The AHPKC Twitter handle, uh, but I, I don't. I don't know. I shut down my Twitter account. Couldn't handle it. I I couldn't. So what was happening? Like I was getting so frustrated with with online presence that it was like like interfering with my normal life. And I <laughs> and I recognize that that doesn't happen to everyone, but I but I realized that it was happening to me. So I had to take a step away. And I just never reactivated, and I've just been using the podcast account trying to help grow that. I love it when he tweets about soccer from the podcast account. It's, it's my favorite thing in the world. He, like, accidentally forgets, you know? Like, I got like, my personal account and then the 610 account. Like, it's like you accidentally start live-tweeting Missouri football games. Like, oh, man, hold on. No one cares about this on this account. But on my account, <laughs> I mean, you know what you signed up for whenever you click follow on me. Uh, Ryan Scott Hall, his Dirkness here. We're going to be talking Chiefs for the next hour. Let's just start our conversation with this very simple question. Do the Chiefs make the playoffs? I mean, I, I, well, yeah. Ryan's face made me think he has a no for them making the playoffs. I would say yes, because I think the AFC as a whole is pretty weak. So I think even if the Chiefs are on the, even, even if I think you're negative on the Chiefs right now, you still got them at about nine or 10 wins, and that's squeaking into the playoffs. Um, I've, I've got the Chiefs in the playoffs because I think they're going to win the West. Uh, like the, the one thing that the Chiefs have on the other teams in the division, if nothing else, is they clearly have. Uh, a leg up in coaching. You know, Andy Reid owns Jack Del Rio. San Diego and Denver both have rookie head coaches, not just like first year with the team, but first time being a head coach. And so I have them winning the West. I Let's start. I think that's an interesting place to start the conversation because I tweeted out my playoff predictions, my divisional winners and my wildcard winners, and I had Oakland winning the division, and I had the Chiefs being the wildcard team. This is the conversation that I don't get. I, great, you guys are two big Chiefs fans. We all know at some point Derek Carr is going to beat the Chiefs. Not saying he's going to have a Peyton Manning-level dominance against the Chiefs, but Derek Carr's too good of a quarterback. Oakland has too much talent for them for him to go 1-17 in his career against the Chiefs. So the question isn't if they win the division. It's simply when they win the division and is it going to be a back-and-forth so I picked Oakland because I think they win the division last year. If Derek Carr doesn't get hurt, they win 13 games. Chiefs win 12 games. And I really struggle to find where the Chiefs are better. From the last time I watched the Chiefs play a meaningful game against Pittsburgh at Arrowhead, I was at the game. And now looking at their team on paper, I can't really find too many places that they're better. And if you're not getting better in the NFL, you're getting worse just based on how football works and how the teams that are improving, teams like Tennessee, and those teams are getting better. So that's where I struggle, at least in this season, where it's hard for me to pick Kansas City over Oakland, given the, I think, a pretty sizable gap in quarterback. I mean, I would think I would, I would just say you're overrating Derek Carr. Uh, I think he's, I mean, a good quarterback, but I mean, people are putting him in the top five quarterbacks in the league, and I just don't. See, I don't have him as top five. I think he's probably seven to ten. I, I tweeted this stat out there. He's the same age that Rodgers was when he started in Green Bay. Like, I feel like people think that Derek Carr's 28, 29, and not 26. That he's improved every year he's been a quarterback. He's finally in year four. I just feel like this is the year he has a 4,235 touchdown kind of season. Which, I mean, that's clearly better than what the Chiefs are trying out their QB this year. It's possible. I mean, if you're projecting it, I could see it. 
but I don't think I think his season last year was overrated. I think his receivers are really good. I think he has one of the best offensive lines in football. And I think he just checks down a lot more than people want to admit. Like his his yards per attempt numbers aren't anything pretty. Like it's not up there with the elite quarterbacks at all. So if you're saying he's going to take that step, I could see it. But I haven't seen it from him yet to say like he's good enough that I'm just going to blindly pick the Raiders to win it all despite all their other holes, mostly on defense. A lot of Chiefs fans hate the contract. Do you guys? For Derek Carr? Yeah, for Carr's contract. I mean, hate it how? I just think a lot of I, – I think now in the NFL, if you haven't won a ring, people are like, why would you pay him? He hasn't won playoff games. When – I mean, we can be honest. Mahomes is going to be in the exact same place. If, if they're not going to pay him this year or play him this year, so he gets two years, maybe three under that rookie deal – I mean, are the Chiefs winning a Super Bowl in the next three years? Like, you're going to have to pay Mahomes without really seeing a whole lot. you got, you got to win the Super Bowl, right? As I'm winning the Super Obviously, Bowl. Obviously, 2019. Obviously. <laughs> that, like, you're going to have to pay a quarterback that you haven't seen before. And I think the car contract is really smart. Like, I don't think people have really looked at the terms of the deal. These first two years, it's really all signing bonus, which, all right, got to live with that. And then after two seasons, you can make the choice to cut them or not and then just live with that signing bonus. Like, I think the Derek Carr contract is actually really smart. So here's here's the thing for me, and I'm not trying to just like steer completely away from Derek Carr. Um, the original question, though, you talked about how sooner or later Derek Carr's going to beat the Chiefs, and that if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. I know this sounds like a complete homer take, but I feel like the Chiefs are an anomaly, and I don't know if it has to do with coaching or what, but like you know, this off season, I keep listening to like the Ringer NFL show and some of these other podcasts, and they talk about how the Chiefs are not definitively good at anything, and yet we're basically winning 10 games a year. And I don't see that changing. Like, I, I just think that as far as the roster, if, if you look at the talent top to bottom is concerned, I think the Chiefs are right there, if not better, than the other teams in the division. And I'm, I'm not trying to, like, belier the point, but again, Andy Reid is a better coach than the other coaches in this division. Agreed. So, I'm, I mean, I just – I know that you can look at the offseason and say, man, like – did, did they get better anywhere, really? I mean, technically they got better at the quarterback position, but not immediately. And aside from that, like, have, have they improved? Probably not. But I still don't see any reason to expect them to do anything less than win 9, 10, 11 games. I think why the Chiefs don't get the respect nationally is it does feel propped up by things that eventually have to fall. They're a good defensive team, not great. Like, no one would put them in the elite-level defenses. They're not going to outscore you. And they have a clear bend-but-don't-break mentality. We'll give it yards from the 20 to the 20, and once you get in the red zone, we're going to stop you. Man, that's hard to do for four or five straight seasons. And the Chiefs, to me, feel like the only team that we all have making the playoffs that we know have average quarterback play. Like, people don't feel this way about Cincinnati. People don't feel this way about other middle-tier quarterbacks in their teams. But all three of us, Chiefs fans, and maybe we're just too close to it, have them all winning nine, ten games and making the playoffs this year. Like, what other team are we convinced are making the playoffs that has an average quarterback? I think it's the Andy Reid effect, really. I mean, you're looking at Andy Reid propping this team up. It's not It's not an Alex Smith prediction. It's an Andy Reid prediction. And he just does this so fluently throughout his career. I mean, uh, I think I heard you talking not too long ago, like two seasons in his entire career where he's been a losing coach. Yeah, three I mean, out of 18. Three. three. Uh, and – so you look at that, I mean, you just trust Andy Reid, so you're you're putting your pick behind him. That's where my confidence is in this team. I mean, my confidence in this team is just, is solely based on if Andy Reid is your coach, you win at least eight games. Who are the other mediocre quarterbacks? Who are their coaches? Like Marvin Lewis. You're not you're not putting the playoff or the Bengals in the playoffs just because of Marvin Lewis. 
I mean, you're holding them down because of Andy Dalton. So I think it's just an Andy Reid. Are you guys with me on Denver? I think Denver comes in last place in the division. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, they I lost, think they lost their identity, in my opinion. And then, and that's the big thing to me is like, I, I know that their quarterback play has gone down. Um, I don't understand the Vance Joseph hire at all. Like, he ran Miami's defense last year and they were like 26th in the league. Like, they, the, the defense in Miami was not good, and yet everyone was excited about him being a head coaching hire. And, and frankly, I think Denver's defense has gone way downhill. And right now, it's it's Von Miller, and they they obviously still have their corners, but I mean they they're injured along the defensive line. They lost Malik Jackson, um, and and I just I don't really don't think Denver is especially good. They they could be though. I mean they're it's a, it's it's that kind of league, you know. They're a quarterback away. You put a quarterback out there and you still have Demarius Thomas Lynch, and Emmanuel Sanders, you know. Paxton Lynch coming for the rescue. Kaepernick. I mean, if we're just being honest, I mean if the Broncos had Kaepernick, I would look at this team completely different. I was I will admit I was terrified of the Broncos signing Kaepernick prior to 2016 cuz I didn't think I didn't think there's any chance they're just like going to play Trevor Simeon for a full season. Like this is a Super Bowl contending team. Why would you just go with Trevor Simeon and then they did? They're, they're a team that clearly their plan A and plan B failed. Like their plan A was obviously for Paxton Lynch to be good. Their plan B was try to get Romo. I believe they were really trying to get Romo. They failed, didn't trade up to go get a quarterback the way Houston did, and you're done. Like they should, you're, they should fire their GM. Yeah, I mean, you're done this year. <laughs> well, if if I may, their, their plan A was actually Brock Osweiler, who's now back in house. But... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there you go. Back to plan A. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're completely right about that. I, I, I think the Broncos, I mean, they were like the bullies on the block. <laughs> and it took the Chiefs a few seasons, at least, to get over that. Like, they were kind of intimidating them out on the field, I think. And the Chiefs finally stood up to them last year. And now they've kind of lost their edge, I think. Tlaib's a bit older. DeMarcus Ware is gone. He's gone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He retired. Uh, I mean, Von Miller's obviously still great. TJ Ward now cut. He was kind of the... You know, the intimidator on the defense. Let me play devil's advocate because I think the Broncos are a good case study. I always say in the NFL, your window is never open for as long as you think it is, especially if you don't have a great quarterback. Could you make that argument for the Chiefs that we all think they're going to be good? They don't have a great quarterback. It's clear that at least the front office focus is on next year and not this year. That this is the year the Chiefs just stumble. They go 7-9, and nine, and then next year with Mahomes, they take that big step forward. Like I feel like I can make a pretty convincing argument on the other side that, all right, this is just the anomaly year for Andy Reid. It's not like every year in Philadelphia they were a 12-win football team. That year they didn't make the playoffs. Like, Could you make that argument this is that year for the Chiefs? It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me if they had a season like that. I mean, a tough schedule too. It's I, I could see it. I I feel like this year is uh, it's like no man's land for the team. I mean, you can clearly see the focus that the front office has put on on essentially getting better in the future and not necessarily right now. But but they didn't like go all in on that. You look at you know, and it's not necessarily a great example, but you look at like what Buffalo has done. And they're completely changing the identity of that team. They've changed their defense from a 3-4 to a 4-3. They get rid of Sammy Watkins. They get rid of Reggie Ragland. They they trade away Ronald Darby. I mean, these are like three of their cornerstone pieces of that team. And Buffalo is like in full turnover mode. And the Chiefs could have done that. They could have decided, you know what, it's it's time we're not going to try to bring back Derek Johnson. You know, they got rid of Jamal Charles, but they wanted to keep DJ and Tamba. You know, and and... I I think that I I've it kind of written this season off like they're not going to win the Super Bowl so what's the point? 
the one thing with that though is that like I, I guess I look at it and I wonder at what point what has to happen in order for Mahomes to play this year. And I think the only way he plays this season is through injury or if they're out of the playoff picture. Like if they're four and four, they're not starting Patrick Mahomes. Unless just Alex Smith is terrible, which I mean obviously I can't, you know, foresee mm-hmm. if he's just absolutely terrible. But if they're the Chiefs, like we all think they're going to be, they're not playing Mahomes this season. I think that like really the Chiefs' only hope for the Super Bowl is the Madden curse. And I know <laughs> that a lot of people like that you want to chuckle at that, but I mean, if Brady goes down, then I'll be like, All right, we we have a shot. That was one of my questions. Like, what would it take for you to take the Chiefs seriously as Super Bowl contenders this season? I mean, would it have to be something happening to New England? Would it have to be as severe as Brady getting hurt? That would have to be it for me. I've pretty much just locked and keyed the prediction of the New England Patriots. I just think kind of what you were saying, the no hope for the Super Bowl, I just feel like we know what's going to happen this season. Like, it's weird. I'm, like, very positive on the Chiefs this year, but, like, also very down on the big picture scale. I think the Chiefs will be good. I think they'll be competitive. I think it'll be a very entertaining season. Man, I've seen four years of Alex Smith and Andy Reid. I've seen four playoff games. I know what's going to happen. They're going to beat a team that has a worse quarterback than Alex Smith, and they're going to lose to a team that has a better quarterback than him, which is not hard to find this year. Like, think about it. They played four playoff games. The one playoff win they have is against Brian Hoyer. The three losses are against Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady. They're going to lose to a team in the playoffs that's a better quarterback than them. Like, we all know how this movie is going to end. Even though Roethlisberger didn't even do anything in the last year's playoff game. It was just the running game. Roethlisberger no, looked bad. No, he didn't beat him, but let's give him credit. Big third down to end the game. They didn't yeah. hand the ball out to Le'Veon Bell. You're right. They threw the ball now. I mean, they threw it to Antonio Brown, which, I mean, I'm not going to fault that. I mean, that's a good mm. play. A couple of times he, he exploited mismatches. I still can't figure out how Justin <laughs> Houston was on Antonio Brown <laughs> yeah. on a fly route. I still, I'm still genuinely confused from being there. I don't that's really understand what happened. On that play, going back to the point that you made, Ryan, that's what frustrates me so much about the departure of Macklin. If you want to get rid of Macklin, that's perfectly fine. They didn't seem to have a plan. They didn't go out in free agency and pick up a one-year option, which they could have got Terrell Pryor for the cheap. They could have got Eric Decker for the cheap. Or they could have drafted a wide receiver. Like, they're fine with having a bottom five wide receiver core with the bottom, what, 12 quarterback in the NFL? I mean, that's probably harsh. With the 17th best quarterback in the NFL? But if they are looking towards the future, I mean... They got these young receivers in camp. It's almost like their idea is to develop them in time for Mahomes. Like, get Demarcus Robinson to be ready. Get Chris Conley to be ready. Get Albert Wilson probably out of here. But get Jehu Chesson ready to be an actual receiver once Mahomes is ready to take over. The weird thing about that is, and like I know that in, in general the West Coast offense is what it is. I know a lot of people got really frustrated with Andy Benoit saying that like, if Mahomes is going to play inside of Andy Reid's system, he's not going to be ready for two years and whatnot. Which like, is so stupid. Good Benoit I mean, voice. But that, that's my that's good voice. I like Andy Benoit. I think he does good film stuff. That's a very stupid point. I've been making the point the whole time. Carson Wentz played one double A football and started day one for Philadelphia. You're telling me there's no way if the Chiefs had to start Mahomes on Thursday, they couldn't figure something out? And Philadelphia is pretty much running Kansas City's scheme. So it's not like you can say like Kansas City's scheme is so difficult that nobody can learn it. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, I actually talked to Rez about this. I was because I kind of gave him that point. He's like, Wentz called more plays, had more of a command of the offense. Man, I'm a big believer of great coaches mold their scheme around the players. I saw the Patriots last year for three weeks run an offense with Jimmy Garoppolo and in less than a week run one for Jacoby Brissett, who were not 
similar at all. So let's not making it seem like it's impossible for the Chiefs to formulate an offense around what Patrick Mahomes can do. You don't have to give him the full 100% of the playbook. Give him 60% he could run of schemes and concepts that he knows, and you and off his sheer talent alone, you'll be fine. And we, I mean, we saw this before with Andy with Michael Vick. I mean, he took over as a starting quarterback in his first year in Philly, didn't he? I mean, later in the year, yeah. but he started adapting his offense in during that season and then turned it over to Vic the next season, and it was a totally different offense. I mean, it wasn't dink and dunk then. They were throwing deep to Macklin and Deshaun Jackson every play. Well, and, and that's, where, that's where I think I struggle a little bit with the idea that we want to develop these receivers for Mahomes if they're not playing with Mahomes. Because I do think that the offense changes. I do think that some of the route combinations change because of the arm talent that Mahomes has. And so... How are we supposed to be developing guys like Demarcus Robinson and Jehu Chesson and Chris Conley when Alex Smith is not going to be throwing them the ball or th- certainly not throwing them the ball in the same positions on the field that Mahomes is going to? Like, everything changes when Mahomes hits the field. So, like, I, I am eager to see him. And, like, I, I don't know. I kind of I have a little bit of a theory here. So oh, yeah. We're always for theories. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> listen – I, I know that I see in big bold letters on his on his computer theory theory <laughs> I, theory I did I I did this last night so uh oh listen Mans came very prepared he brought a laptop <laughs> I did so here's here's the deal like I know that you said that essentially it's going to take injury or the Chiefs being eliminated from the playoffs for Mahomes to play and I could see that and I know that this is like totally harebrained here but you've Half got baked. you've got Tamba and Daddy both on the pup list to enter the season because they want to be healthy at the end of the year. You've got now Steven Nelson with essentially like what is it's like uh, an oblique injury or something. And they decided they decided to put him on IR. And so he's not even going to be able to play until essentially like after the bye week. I I feel like we're going to ramp up. And after that bye at New York at the Giants, like week 10, Mahomes is going to start. Because the back half Despite of the schedule, the record? yeah. Because I think that the back half of the schedule is it's aside from that Giants game, it's very like the like, first ten games are extremely tough, and the last six games yeah. are very very mad. Yeah, they got like the Dolphins at home in December, don't they? Yeah, we have we have our the five games in December are not challenging. Very wonderful. And and I'm just looking at like you're talking about playing Buffalo at home in late November, playing at the Jets in late November. You know the schedule starts to open up to where if the team is starting to get healthy and they're going to hit their their stretch run and they want to be able to change some things and not put necessarily too much on tape with Mahomes, like I think it's the the perfect opportunity for him to do it. Um, I, I, I I doubt it, but that's that's my theory for right now. I don't think there's a chance they do that. I was advocating from the beginning. What would the record have to be through ten games? For Mahomes to have a shot. Three and seven? Yeah, four and six, something like that. Like I, I think it'd have to be clear they're not making the playoffs for them to do it. Then I think they would do it. Obviously, just, one and five isn't bad enough to not make the playoffs. Yeah, I just don't I just I really find it hard to believe with how stern they've been about there's not a quarterback controversy, there's not a quarterback controversy. We all know the moment they go back to Mahomes, they can never go back. I don't care how bad Mahomes is, you can never put Alex Smith in unless unless Mahomes is hurt. Like, once you pass the torch, you can't hand it back to Alex Smith. So, if they're going to do what you're saying, then it's over. 
That's why I, I just would have traded Alex Smith from the beginning of the season. I just would have said, this is our quarterback. I hear from everybody, YouTube. I think we, me, you and I were arguing about this, Nick, on Twitter. If the best thing in the NFL Here's is Nick. to win a Super Bowl under a rookie contract with, the, with your QB, why are they punting on one of those seasons? They're giving one of them away. Use it this year. Be ready in 2018 and 2019 when Mahomes is in year three with this team. Tyree kills in his fourth year. Kelsey's still in his prime. I would just be trying to advance that. That's why, at least I've been saying, kind of back to our beginning discussion, what kind of started this is, I've been saying this. I've been telling Chiefs fans to ask themselves these two questions. Is this a Super Bowl contending team? Because if your answer is no, like mine is, all right, then let's move to step two. Do you think making the playoffs is greater than six? Uh, than 16 games, 17 weeks of experience for Mahomes. I would say the experience is greater in 2017 if you don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. Get the experience in 2018. Mahomes is basically Carson Wentz, ready to take that big step in year two. He's Marcus Mariota. And then you go from there. Like, I don't understand why the Chiefs have handled it this way unless, like you're saying, they think, hey, if something happens to New England, we're the second best team in the in the AFC. Because I just don't know how you think you're beating this Patriots team if you're being honest with yourself because you're more than likely going to have to go on the road to beat them. You're not winning in New England this year. Yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't want to punt on the season because I think if you think the Chiefs are good enough to be the second best team in the AFC, I think you got to take that chance. I mean, we're kind of getting into NBA conversations here, so it's kind of like how much do you want to build up your team right now with Golden State being the way they are? <laughs> But if you can be the second best team, then you just kind of hope. You know, maybe Durant gets hurt. Maybe Steph Curry gets hurt. Something happens. Um, I think you're doing that. And I would also say I'm excited to see Alex Smith knowing it's his last season. I I think there's a good chance we see a different Alex Smith this season. People have been saying that. What's the ceiling of different Alex Smith? I'm not saying it's necessarily going to be better. I I think we might see more aggressive Alex Smith. I think he sees the writing on the wall. Okay, this is my last season. He didn't get that chance in San Francisco. He got a concussed, and he was done, and that was the, the end of him in San Francisco. Now he gets one defined year, Alex. Okay, you've had your career. You've had your time with the Chiefs here. Now you have one more chance. You haven't got it done yet. Now is your chance. Are you going to change anything up, or are you just going to do continue to be the exact same Alex Smith that's got you to this point, but not further than that point? And I think... I think he comes out more aggressively this season than than ever. I so I would take like the over and touchdowns, over and interceptions. Yeah, but over we say over and touchdowns. Over. Like, what's the ceiling of Alex Smith? It's like, what's his career high right now? It's thirty five oh two, I think it is, and career high in touchdowns is twenty three. So so more <laughs> aggressive, Alex Smith those for thirty seven hundred yards and twenty six touchdowns this season, like. That's the same quarterback. You know what I mean? That's like that's just like having one of those games where he completes 15 passes, he completes 21 passes, and instead of having 154 yards a couple times, he has like 201. Like I, I just, it's not like Alex Smith is 26 years old. He's not Derek Carr's age. He's 33 years old, and this is his what 11th, ninth season, somewhere in that range. And then I don't have my computer up right yeah. now. Like we just know what Alex is at this point. He's not taking some huge jump this year. And listen, we we know that. And but the the thing is, is that those couple shots a game can make a difference. And even if it doesn't look like a huge difference statistically, I think a lot of it may just have to do with the mentality, respect factor too, about yeah. kind of respecting um, the the arm, not putting eight in the box. And so, but here's the thing, and this is this is where I'm a little bit leery of potentially like trying to play Mahomes this year. So first and foremost, if you do bench Alex at some point, then you are not getting anything for him in the offseason period. 
nothing. Like I just, Why? I because I just don't I don't I don't think that unless he plays the entire year, if he ends up getting benched for the last five, six, seven weeks, like you're you what you're gonna maybe get a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe. Would you trade like, for Alex if you're another team? I mean, yeah. I mean, depending depend, on situation, depends on yeah. who you are. If yeah. I'm Jacksonville, I would absolutely be trading for him. Because if I'm Jacksonville, is it better for me? Like, let's say the Chiefs want a second round pick for Alex Smith. You got to pay him the what does he do? Eighteen million dollars next season. I'd much rather draft a quarterback. I'd much rather draft a QB. Like, especially when I know you have to cut him next season. I'm thinking in terms of like right now. I think that Alex would be a great fit for Jacksonville this season and then they would still have the same ability that the Chiefs do to cut him and save 18 million off their cap next year if they you know if they end up getting It has to be a special situation I think like you look at teams right now I think Houston could probably use them like this season Jacksonville could use them this season there'll be like one or two teams like that next season uh, and so maybe you hold on to them like past the draft no, and I see mean, what I, happens that, that part maybe we're kind of maybe I think we all on the same page here I, I think Alex certainly has a place in league. Like, if I'm Denver, I really want Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I trade a high draft pick for a player I know you have to cut. Like, the Chiefs essentially have to cut Alex Smith next season. Why would you waste two years of Mahomes under the rookie contract? And why are you going to keep Alex Smith when getting rid of him is such a huge benefit for the Chiefs? Unless he's willing to convert a lot of that money into signing bonus money, which frees up a lot of space for the Chiefs, it is in their best interest to cut Alex Smith next season. If I know that and you know that, it's clear the other 31 teams in the NFL know I don't offer the Chiefs anything. I'll wait to claim him off waivers and pick him up as a free agent. Why give you a pick for him? I mean, it'd have to be a team that he probably wouldn't go to by choice. Cleveland or somebody like that. Or Jacksonville. Like a team that... Alex Smith gets cut and he's on the open market, can go to any of the 31 teams or any of the 32 teams, he's not going to pick Cleveland or Jacksonville. So you send a third-round pick and secure his rights, pretty much. If I'm Denver, I trade for Alex Smith. I mean, I, I go after Alex Smith. I don't trade for Alex Smith. Let me rephrase what someone says. you just said. I would not trade for Alex Smith. If I'm Denver, that is the first call I make next season. I draft a quarterback, and I try to do the same thing the Chiefs just did. I draft a quarterback. I've had, I've had Alex for a couple seasons, and then move on. The bizarre thing is that like any of these teams that we're talking about that would want Alex are essentially trying to put themselves in the position that the Chiefs are in right now. Which they want is, to be the Chiefs. Which is wanting to be potentially the second or third best team in the AFC just so you have a shot. And here we are in that position saying, eh, I don't know, I don't really want that quarterback anymore. Yep. Now, the, here's the biggest thing with Mahomes as far as like the readiness component. Nobody thought he was going to look as comfortable as he did. Like, I don't think anybody was prepared to watch Mahomes go out on the field and play the way that he did. I wasn't surprised. I mean, maybe, I was shocked. Maybe I'm just more cynical than this. I just feel like the media sometimes overcomplicates even the quarterback position. We've now seen with the how the modern offenses in the NFL work, man, it is just an extension of what you've been doing in college. It's not like. 2007, where nobody was running the spread and college was doing, they were still running those pro-style offense, and it was such an adjustment. I remember with Blaine Gabbard, it was like, he has to learn how to take snaps under center. Nobody does that now. So I, I just, if it's all based off arm strength and ability, I just, I wasn't surprised that he performed so well this preseason. I, I was, personally. I mean, and some of that may just have to do with the guy won four games at Texas Tech last year. I know that they quite literally had the worst defense in Division One, But, like, I just I, – all I heard was I cheer about, from Missouri, so calm down with that. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just 
I, I, I heard about how raw he was and how it was going to take time, and, and I didn't want to see the David Carr situation of throwing him out there and just not being ready, holding on to the ball too long, getting hit, and then suddenly becoming gun-shy because the way that he plays is is pretty fearless. You know, that that like backyard football, uh, the, the way that people talk about him, like I didn't want to see him lose that by being put out there before he's ready, but he, he looks ready to me. Like that's that's the reason that I'm excited. Uh, I want to go. One point on Alex, we were talking about his ceiling and everything, and you were kind of projecting him for the whole season. Like, mm-hmm. what more can he do? Thing is, he doesn't have to get better for the whole season. He has to get better for that one game. He has to be. He has to play like an elite quarterback for that one game. So it's it's almost more of a mentality thing. Like you have to get to that position where you can perform like he did against Indianapolis in a playoff game. He has to be able to do that against the Pittsburghs, against the New Englands. And maybe you're saying that's tougher because they're better teams and they have better defenses and whatnot. But if he plays better for that one game, he's there. All of that makes perfect sense. But I think we all know this scenario is going to happen. And go back to Ryan's theory. This is going to happen, and it is going to be one of the biggest weeks in sports talk in Kansas City. Chiefs are going to lose. Alex Smith is going to play very poorly. All Chiefs fans are going to think we would have won that game or at least had a chance if Mahomes was starting. And that's when it, that's when the clock starts. Oh, yeah. Hey, like, it won't Nick, take long. Like, Nick Foles wasn't good enough to make you think that realistically about the Chiefs last season. Like, the Chiefs are... Chase Daniel was, though. Maybe, like, one, two games worse last year if Nick Foles. But pretty similar. We never know how turnovers work. We never know mm-hmm. individual games. We know what's going to happen. Alex Smith is going to complete... What he's gonna he, he's gonna throw for less than 200 yards, one touchdown, one pick, and they're gonna lose. And you're gonna think, damn, if Mahomes just started, we would have won that game. And I'm telling you, that's when it starts. So like I've been making this it's point. It's already started show. if you're yeah. looking looking you're, closely enough at Twitter. No, you're right, and that's why I've been making the point. Alex Smith is not good enough to avoid a quarterback controversy. Like he's always gonna be caught up in a quarterback controversy because his skills and his stats are not big enough to avoid him. The same way it happened with Kaepernick is the exact same way it's gonna happen with Mahomes. So that's why I think a interesting case study or theory is let's say this team is three and two, and then Alex Smith goes out for two weeks and they win both of those games with Mahomes. Uh-oh. What what do they do? It's over. What do they do? I think I think you keep playing Mahomes. I don't know oh, what yeah. you do in that scenario. If he, I think if he plays due to injury and does well, I mean it's over. Yeah, yeah. he got. Wally Pipp twice in his career. I mean, he's, he's, he's <laughs> made a lot of money. Ryan said, mm. <laughs> he's made a lot of money. He's, no, he's, he's doing ab- okay. No, he's absolutely made a lot of money. Well, well, do we think Andy Reid, without injury, is this even possible? I mean, they're doing a good job of saying, like, saying the right things. Like, Alex is unquestionably the starter. Like, you have to do that because of what you just talked about. But is Andy Reid even thinking this? Do you think he's debating it in his mind he right has now? To be. I just don't know how you can watch the talent of Mahomes and not think about it. Especially when you watch Alex Smith. I like Alex Smith. Like I think sometimes people confuse the argument that I think Alex Smith is terrible. I think Alex Smith is serviceable. I just think he has a very defined ceiling. Like we all know what Alex yeah, Smith is. Yeah, <laughs> but I think it's frustrating because I think the Chiefs fans for so long have kind of clamored for that next quarterback, that exciting, dazzling quarterback. And now you have him. And all I hear is excuses of why not to use him in the game. It's like, oh, Alex Smith is X, Y, and Z. Like, what? Alex Smith, you know what's going to happen this season. Like, I feel like now Chiefs fans are afraid to see Mahomes because they're afraid what if we're wrong about him. Because I feel like the whole propping up of the win-loss record, it frustrates me the most because we all watch these games. Alex Smith did not win the Carolina game. I don't care. Like, you can't tell me he's a 12-win quarterback. We can go through each individual game. He did not win the Carolina game. He didn't He didn't win the Atlanta game last year. So, like, now we're, like... I wouldn't shortchange him on that. I mean, the offense played good in that game. No, he played well, but I wouldn't say, if you tell me reason one why the Chiefs won, I would not say it was Alex Smith. 
and that's the thing is that if he's so he's third, I think, since he took over in Kansas City, third and wins behind Russell Wilson and Tom Brady. He's got like forty four wins in the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, how many of those games did you would you say like Alex is like reason one why the Chiefs were victorious? San Diego last year, and. I'd probably say less than four. I mean, like, it, like but it, that's like, what I'm saying is like it's you know maybe like maybe that Buffalo game that we went to when he he was throwing nice deep shots to Macklin. Yeah, I mean, he's, but, I mean, he's also not asked to win games. Exactly. Like that's not why he's in there. But that's the thing is that when Mahomes comes in, Mahomes will be the reason that they win games. Like the so the biggest difference between those two is like I I look at it and. So Alex himself, he's not a gifted passer. And that's one of the reasons that I got so frustrated last year is because like the difference that Alex usually made was when he ended up using his legs. And when he wasn't using his legs last year, I'm like, okay, so what's what's the point? Why do we even have him? But like Mahomes doesn't have to run in order to be an elite quarterback. He has an elite arm that Alex doesn't have. And yet Mahomes is more athletic, and when we've seen him get out and run, which has actually been like kind of few and far between with the limited snaps that he had in the preseason, he looks really good running the ball. Like it, he's just—it's such a huge step up in talent to where like you can ask Mahomes to win games. It's a huge step up in everything. Like it's literally a huge step up in everything. I hate the quarterback win loss thing. I hate that everybody tells me how football is the ultimate team game, but the only people that get credit for wins are the quarterback and the coach. And then if your quarterback's not good. Justin Houston wins around here. Justin wins and losses. Then if your quarterback's not good, we blame it on the offensive line and wide receivers. But then it's like, it's just the quarterback win logic is so I don't even want to get into it. It just upsets me. What's the ceiling you guys have for Mahomes? Like if I said, what's the best you think he can be? Our Lord and Savior? Let's start this. Best you think he can be, most realistic expectation you have for Mahomes. I think he can be the best quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, with the guys on the way out that are on the way out, yeah. I mean, there's there's QB1 is, is there to be taken in the league, I would say, in about five years. Yeah, now, now, there's a lot of other guys I think that could be the case. Like, I think Marcus Mariota could be the best quarterback in the league in two seasons. I think Russell Wilson could be the best QB in the league. I think Derek Carr, I know you guys aren't high on him, but I think 28 years old Derek Carr could be the best quarterback. Like, I think Mahomes has the talent to put himself in that conversation, and that's why it's such an exciting time. Like, you've never had this. You've never had someone that you can make a point could be the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Mahomes certainly could be the most talented QB in the NFL in, in three, four seasons. You saw, and I mean, not not that he's like the uh, the authority on quarterbacks, but I, what was it, Terrence Knighton that said the next Rodgers is in Kansas City? Is, is he's not even on a roster, is he? <laughs> no, no Pop Rose, no, out of the league. No, he was really good two years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, that's so that's the thing is that um, a lot of the national media – the, the conversation that has been had about Mahomes or really just about the rookie quarterbacks is like you just want a seat at the table because you see the writing on the wall for guys like Brady and Roethlisberger, and I guess if you want to throw Eli and Rivers and in that conversation. Breeze, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, who knows how long Rodgers is going to play, uh, but it's it's the teams that have – you know, Andrew Luck and Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota and Russell Wilson, like those, you you want a seat at the table because that competition is going to be wide open. And as soon as you drafted Mahomes, you're there. You are you are going to be in that conversation. And not, he could be Blake Bortles. 
You know, we have no idea what Mahomes will actually end up being. Oh, man, we're having such a good time here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying. In, I doubt in he's general, Bortles. Like, he looks a lot was, better mechanically than Bortles. Oh, but Bortles looked great his first preseason. Don't forget. <laughs> but that's, I think, I think that that is like one of the biggest reasons for excitement, and and some of it is that unknown, and that's where the fear comes in because you don't, you have no idea what he's going to end up looking like when he plays when the games really count. But uh, man, I can't. I I want to watch. It. Also, I mean, I in terms of quarterbacks. We might not have like a defined best quarterback in the league coming up. Just because Tom Brady was, I mean, he's the best quarterback of all time. Peyton Manning is top five quarterback of all time. Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers, what, we got top, treated very top well. ten quarterbacks of all time. We're not going to just have the next like best quarterback of all time just automatically into the league. It could just be a bunch of guys that are around the same. And hopefully Mahomes is one of those guys, just like what he's talking about at the of the Yeah, kind of like how the mid-2000s were before Brady and Peyton really started to take yeah. off. Like, if you really look at the 2000s, I mean, that's why I hate kind of when people make the, well, look at the Bucks, look at the Ravens. Quarterback play was just different when those two teams won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, then the shift in the NFL started with that great 03 draft, and the Bucks and the Ravens weren't winning Super Bowls anymore because you needed a QB to win a Super Bowl. Then. I'm going to go back to the NBA point. It's like sliding in between superstars. Like, the Dallas Mavericks were able to win their titles – kind of in-between superstars reigns, like in-between Kobe and LeBron James. There's a few seasons that are open in there, and the Dallas Mavericks slid in and stole a title. Like, that's that's kind of what you got to do if you don't have one of the elite quarterbacks. The Rockets did the same thing when MJ was out. I mean, they won, they won two in a row just because Jordan wasn't in the league. Will Mahomes be better or worse than Matt Stafford? Uh, I would say better. I, I got him projected as, like, Russell Wilson right now. That's, I see a lot of Russell Wilson when I watch him play, just the way he's running around avoiding tacklers in the backfield, but then keeping his eyes up to try and make the big play. And, you know, Russell Wilson, I mean, I, you kind of talk about how he has magic all the time with him. He's just, he just makes these plays. You know I love Russell. Just, so, like, yeah, I mean, me too. I, I'm all for that. Me too. So Better or worse? Great right? middle name. I don't know how to answer that question because, to me, Matt Stafford plays for the Lions and he's completely irrelevant. Like, I don't know if he's good or not because the Lions are terrible. Like, and I don't know if that's just purely to do with coaching or defense or what, but, like, I mean – he suddenly got better when he didn't have Calvin Johnson. Like I listen, I I know that people like Matt Stafford and his numbers are there, but like I like has, how he says that he's the highest played player in NFL history, isn't it? Yeah, like, no, I, I just <laughs> I'm just saying, like I'm seriously to me, and and again, it may just be like like totally alliance point. Matt Stafford is not part of any conversation that I have about quarterbacks <laughs> at all. He's, he is completely irrelevant to me. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, talking to Amateur Hour Podcast, to Stick to Sports Podcast, a little bit of a mashup here. Um, we haven't, we've talked a lot about quarterbacks, and I haven't talked about the offense as a whole in general. Let's start with running backs, and then we could talk about their dependence on two individuals in the passing game. I feel like I am in the very small minority of people that are concerned about no Spencer Ware. Last year in the NFL, only nine running backs had more total yards from scrimmage than Spencer Ware. I can't imagine a team losing someone like that, and everyone's like, ah, it's not that big a deal, it's the system. Well, I mean, the guy was still really productive in the system. You could have had him and Kareem Hunt, who you're high on. You take Spencer Ware. Do we think that Kareem Hunt finishes top ten this year in total yards? Maybe he does. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I like Kareem Hunt. But you at least had the option to have one of the better running back duos in the NFL, which we saw clearly help Tennessee last year. You've now eliminated that possibility, which has to be a big factor on a team that lacks weapons in their offense. Here's, here's my problem. And it's kind of similar to like Jeremy Macklin and Tyreek Hill. Like, sure, you can replace Macklin with Tyreek Hill. Like, he comes in and takes over. But you could also have two options, just like we could at running back. Like, we had Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware. We got two options. Now we're down to one. My problem with Kareem Hunt 
is lasting a full season. College game isn't as long. He had a bunch of carries on him in college. And the way he runs, like he kind of runs like Spencer Ware used to, like delivers the punishment kind of. Like he stays up and takes extra hits. And so I kind of worry about him lasting the full season. And then if he goes down, you're back to Sharkandrick West and his 3.2 yards per carry or whatever it is. Also, C.J. Spiller, who had, what, nine yards last season? I mean, C.J. Spiller was a big option. I actually thought C.J. Spiller looked pretty good in preseason and training camp. I thought C.J. Spiller, I thought he should have made the team from the beginning. I was kind of reading Therese, like, why he didn't make the team and how kind of they had to do some roster fluctuation to get him back on the team and all of that. I thought I thought C.J. Spiller, I think he was going to make the team even if even if uh, Ware was healthy. I think C.J. Spiller earned it this preseason to be on the team. A couple things. First on Ware and, and then on Kareem Hunt. So, Last year, Spencer Ware, he had about 1,400 combined yards from scrimmage. Yeah, it was like 1,386. So, and, and that was about 250 touches. So basically, like whether it was a carry or a reception, he averaged about 5.5 yards per play. Um, but he didn't crack 100 total yards in a game after week six between rushing and receiving combined. So, I mean, some of it is just the sheer volume of Sharkandrick West is hurt and Spencer Ware is your feature back and he just gets the touches. So, I mean, honestly, I think that the 1,400 combined yards on about 250 touches, I think that's a pretty reasonable expectation for Kareem Hunt, personally. Um, now, I will say, so you said that you think that he runs similar to Spencer Ware before his concussion, Dirk, and I don't see that. The way that I see Kareem Hunt is that he has he, – he reminds me a little bit, and they're certainly not the same style um, and not the same size or anything, but he reminds me a little bit of Marcus Allen in that, like, he, he does this thing with his shoulders where he knows how to kind of turn just the right way to not take big hits. And he will lower his shoulder when he needs to when he's in that position – but, dude, he's so shifty. Like, he avoids big hits. The, the guy that Therese has compared him to is Emmett Smith because Emmett Smith was able to run between the tackles and not deal with big punishment throughout his career. And I, they're I just think the same size. Delivery Therese punishment's a, the wrong term. I would say he fights for those extra yards. Emmett Smith? I, Therese threw Emmett Smith out there? Yeah, he said that Well, he, just in terms of, like, playing yeah, I know style. Yeah, be you But they're both, you know, they're, you know, <laughs> Five nine over two hundred, and the, just like that, that lower center of gravity. Um, I mean, he he can be like a punishing runner, but when I look at Spencer Ware, like Spencer Ware was the guy that like ran at you on purpose because he wanted to run over you and to make a statement, and that is not Kareem Hunt. Yeah, maybe it's a bad comparison, but he's going to be the unquestioned feature back in Week One. Oh yeah, he is should be. he going to be the unquestioned feature back? For 17 games plus playoff games? See, We're and, looking at 19 games here for a rookie running back where Sharkandrick West and C.J. Spiller are his backups. Like, we're not expecting much from them. Can he handle that? Can he handle 20 touches every week? And I completely agree with that, which is where, like, the, the thing that sucks about Spencer Ware going down is that I thought that as he wore down as the season went on, you had, a, you well, had someone, a rookie, and good one-two punch. Just like, yeah. man, it would have been so nice to have that at the end of the year. Um I don't know if they're done at running back right now. Yeah, I would, I would look for him to try and add someone. I, like I would Jeremy too. Langford got cut. Who's that guy from Buffalo? The Buffalo guy. Jonathan yeah. Williams, I think that's his name. So he went to Arkansas, and like I think that he's a fairly similar talent and similar player to Niall Davis. Um, he's, he's large. He didn't do he a lot large. last year. but So he fumbles a, so, every, so he fumbles a lot is basically what you're trying to right, say. Especially in key moments. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean – 
I think I, I said last night on Twitter, like I think that if CJ Spiller is healthy, and that is like seventy-two font size, if he's healthy, there's no reason that he shouldn't get like ten touches a game. I mean, he's a completely different style. It's all about that speed and like the the big problem that the Chiefs have at running back right now, though, is that there isn't a huge variance between the three guys. They're all a little bit smaller in stature. Hunt's more equipped to run between the tackles, but then they essentially just have like three scat backs. So like we, I, I think they need a bigger guy. I, I think that they need someone that, and it's not not Anthony Sherman. Like I think that they need a bigger guy that can go down on the goal line and is just a power runner. I think Spiller's going to be a bigger option in the passing game than people are giving credit for he looks fast he is I think uh that's kind of what separates him you're right like I think the other guys like clear he's the fastest running back that they have I think that Andy Reid is going to use his speed in a lot of open field situation a lot of mismatches and I think the passing game is where they're going to use it like they clearly are bottom tier when it comes to wide receiver so you got to be more creative and that's why I liked where I think what you said about where, obviously it's true, the stats kind of bear it out. I think it was clear there's a pre-concussion Spencer Ware last year and a post-concussion Spencer Ware. Mm-hmm. Pre-concussion Spencer Ware was pretty damn good. Post-concussion Spencer Ware was not very productive at all last 2015 year. 2015 Spencer Ware was breathtaking. Breathtaking. I, I, I wish we were probably never going to see him again. I mean, he's got a knee injury now. I mean, it's a lot, shows you the, lot that he's had to deal with. Shows you the shelf life of running backs, man. That's why it makes it hard to pay him. Yeah. Makes it hard to oh, pay him. Oh, I would never pay him. Never pay him. Draft one in the third or fourth round every single year. Which sucks. I mean, I feel for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, dog, I can't pay you. I'm sorry. Like, that's not good business. Like, yeah. They already drafted his, his replacement, too. Yeah, James, James Conner, which is, I mean, we could we could probably sit here for three hours and talk about so many different things. Like, I think how I think how running backs get treated is going to be a point in the new CBA. Like, it's there's one position that has been just devalued and devalued and it's like a clear, yo, I will not pay you. Like, every other position you feel fine with paying in the NFL, but one. Yeah. I mean, if you're growing up a football player, why would any Like, the best player used to always be the running back. Always used to be the running now, back. Now, why, why would you be the running back? Go yeah, to, why, go why to play, receiver. Yeah, why, why play running back? There's no reason to do it. Here with um, Amateur Hour Podcast, talking Chiefs, this whole offense centers around the health of two individuals, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Hmm. I'm terrified if one of them is hurt. Terrified. You can't make the playoffs. If Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey miss extended time this season, they will not make the playoffs. Do you guys agree with that? Unless the running game becomes a big factor. I would agree with that, yeah. I just find it hard to believe in this case. Like, right now, how many how many known weapons do we know this team has? Hill, Kelsey, I'll give you Kareem Hunt, because I think Kareem Hunt's going to be good. I think we all think he's going to be good. That's three weapons. How many weapons do you think this team has? Demetrius Harris? No, not a weapon. Okay. So we're going to eliminate one of those weapons and give them two on offense with a limited quarterback that can't make one? Like it's not like he's just going to create a Ty Montgomery. Like they're not they're not doing that this year. Let me make the counter argument. Okay. The Chiefs offense has been pretty much the same every year under Andy Reid. And they didn't really have weapons the first couple years. I mean, they had Dwayne Bowe, who was a terrible fit with Alex Smith, and who was their second receiver? Uh, I mean, it's not exactly, exactly. None of us know. None of us remember. remember. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. But the Chiefs' offense was still around, you know, ten to fifteen in scoring and and total yards. I'm not going to fact check that, obviously. (laughs) But they've been about the same offense, no matter who the weapons are around Alex and Andy. It's almost just like an Alex and Andy dominated offense. Now, if you're going to say to take the next that next step, they need more weapons. I'm I'm right there with you. But I think Andy Reid 
is enough to at least coach up a mediocre offense, despite who's out there. I mean, look at the Patriots playoff game in 2015. No Mack on that game. Was Kelsey playing? Jason Avant, remember Jason, Jason, Jason Avant? Avant? It was the Jason was... Avant game, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, let he, me ask you just, this: do, do you think that's one of the flaws of Reed as a coach? Is sometimes he's too over dependent on scheme. We saw the same thing in Philadelphia. Hey, I don't need a number one wide receiver. I can just get by with Freddie Mitchell and James Thrash and all these other guys, and we'll be good. But you'll just always hit a ceiling. Like as much as you can scheme in X's and O's, man. Unless you have the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, man, it's hard to out scheme everybody in every single big game. That I just think. I think their offense, obviously, with their quarterback, will hit a ceiling. You'll just hit a ceiling offensively because if I'm the Patriots, I'm taking out at least one of them. There's no way Kelsey and Hill have a good game against the Patriots. I'm taking out one of them, and I'm making Chris Conley, Albert Wilson, Demetrius Harris beat me. And they're not like you're not going to you're you're not talented enough to be an elite team with those weapons, in my opinion. Not at a high level. That's kind of that that age old conversation about. With and I don't I don't know if this is an Alex thing or it's an Andy thing, but the one thing that we have seen consistently is that Alex seems unwilling to exploit matchups, where it's like if if he knows that whoever it is that's you know guarding, let's say Jeremy Macklin last year or something or Tyreek Hill at this point, if if the guy's not being double covered, Alex wasn't like specifically throwing at a guy the way that we saw Peyton Manning do the way that you see Tom Brady do they you look at those those matchups and specifically we're gonna win on this you know nine times out of ten so I'm just gonna throw it to that guy and Alex doesn't do that Alex is constantly looking for you know whichever is the right option in this particular thing because he's so he's very robotic and he wants to follow yeah I mean he has to see the receiver open and throw to the open receiver kind of thing that's and that's his whole philosophy right and so like that's where I said Last night, I, I didn't think that any guy on the team outside of Hill and Kelsey, or at least any receiver, because I, th- I do think the running backs are going to play a big factor in the, the receiving game, but I don't think even Conley, any of them are going to have more than like 40 catches. Now, that might mean that you have four or five different guys with 35 catches, but that's Alex. Alex constantly spreads the Andy. ball around. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's Andy too. So it's, you know, we can have six different guys with – 500 yards receiving and then you know and but that's that's how it seems to work in their passing game I, th- I think it's a fair criticism of Andy to say that and I mean you can look at his team that broke through had Terrell Owens like that's that's why it could broke through actually uh and and maybe you thought Macklin would be that and maybe he's hoping Tyreek will be that now or maybe he's just hoping Mahomes and maybe he's kind of turned the page to Mahomes is going to be that game changer now and you all you kind of wonder too though if either Andy learned from it or Philadelphia in general learned from it. I know that Deshaun Jackson was not a first-round draft pick, but they took Deshaun Jackson, saw him become a player, and the next year turned around and took Macklin in the first round. So, I mean, like they they changed their philosophy, at least in some way, shape, or form, and said, we need to get better on the outside. And, I mean, I don't know if Chris Conley as a third-round pick is like a, a significant investment. I mean, Tyreek Hill is a fifth-round pick, clearly not a significant investment. They haven't gone out there aside from giving Dwayne Bowe a contract and then giving Jeremy Macklin a contract. Like they're they're not doing it through the draft when it comes to receiver. They're they're putting very low investment. Even even Kelsey was a third round pick. You know, they paid him though. Yeah, you paid yeah, him for sure. Um, I, I think that the interesting thing though is that like with with these guys, I do look at Chris Conley specifically, and he reminds me of the fit that Dwayne Bowe was with Alex. You know, you mentioned Dirk that like. 
Alex has to see the receiver open. He does not have anticipation. Even though he knows the offense so well, it's still about like it's the guy so has to be in him to not take chances. Yeah, it's it's not and, and if you want to call it throwing a guy open, sure, but like it's more about I need to see that this guy has separated and it's safe for me to release the ball and throw he it. He won't to throw him. like back shoulders or jump balls kind of yeah, there's there's no there's no trust ball throws from Alex, and it doesn't matter who the receiver is. I don't think anyone will ever earn that trust from him. And so Alex just trusts what his eyes see, and it's not necessarily like what the player can do. And so when I look at a guy like Chris Conley, who I think is immensely talented, he's not just a great route runner, but he's so like he's so athletically gifted. He's gotten physical all of a sudden. When Pat Mahomes takes over, I think Chris Conley is going to explode. Like that 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 season you're waiting for from him, he needs a different quarterback in order to get there. Let me throw this last thing out about the offense when we do defense. There's a lot of things to talk about on the defense too. The offensive line, with the amount of money and resources they've spent, are they getting the value out of the offensive line? Because number one overall pick at left tackle, you paid him. Mitch Moore, second round draft pick. So you spent a high draft pick on him. Um, He's going to get paid. Right guard just got paid. And Larry DuVernay-Tardif, right tackle, got paid. I mean, they've paid four, three of their four, three of their five positions, and one of them's a high draft pick who we think is going to get paid. Mitch Morris, one of the better centers in the NFL. The teams that spend that much on offensive line or have that much resources, I can see the work of it. They're a team like Oakland that clearly has built up their quarterback, built up their running game. A team like Dallas that certainly built up their quarterback and built up their running game. The Chiefs have an average quarterback and were average running the football last year. Are they getting the value from the amount of money that they spend on the offensive line? I keep hearing about continuity, how this is the year, hey, we've had this system for three, four years in place. Man, I got to see it with this offensive line. I got to see this offense take a, a step forward, and then I can help attribute that to the offensive line. So far, you've just got an average offensive line play, in my opinion. Yeah, I think what you said, like, this is the season you'd expect them to take a step. Like, all being together last season uh, and now having that full offseason under their belts together. Like, continuity is, is, is a big part of it. Uh, I would also say they're kind of a weird case study. I, I think they're really good at pass blocking and not that good at run blocking for whatever reason. And, uh, I mean, obviously, you want more than that, given all the assets that you talked about throwing into the line. But I, I would say I'm satisfied with their pass blocking as a as a unit, but not the run blocking because there just wasn't much room last year. Listen, I I don't know how to evaluate offensive line play unless they're playing poorly. Like that's I, I don't know when they're playing well. Um, the only reason like, I, I'm not gonna make a sentence, make it seem like I'm Bill no, Moss or I, Richard Balding sure, either. Sure. I'm just saying is we can agree that Dallas has a good offensive line. Oakland has a good offensive line. I can see the direct fruits from the tree of their good offensive yeah, line. Yeah. Man. Darren McFadden rushed for 1,000 yards on Dallas. Hey, that's got a lot to do with the offensive line and scheme and coaching and all of that. It's not like I can point to the Chiefs and be like, man, this is what you're getting for your good offensive line. Your quarterback's not great, and you couldn't run the ball very effectively last year. Like, how many times on third and two, fourth and ones, third and three, short-yarded situations, where your offensive line has to win those battles? They're definitely not that type of They didn't win those battles last season. They're definitely not like a power line that's going to – muscle you over on on third and two definitely not that type of line that's and it's weird because it's like when I think of when I think of Dallas and I think of Oakland like their offensive line sets the tone I think that that's the way that they were built like they I mean you they you hear so much about Colecchio simile that the signing that the Raiders made and that like you just just run behind that guy and the Chiefs don't 
have a guy like that on the offensive line. And I think that maybe like Tardif is kind of being propped up as maybe becoming that guy. I tell you what, though, I mean, personally, for as as much was made about the Mitch Schwartz signing last year, I really don't think he's played well yet. And I I don't know if he's going to or not, but like I've been really disappointed with this guy's arguably the best right tackle in the league and you paid him this money. And like I'm just looking at him like, I mean, I don't don't, I think Schwartz is the guy you hope becomes that. And people will just say he was banged up last year, which I mean is very convenient. And you can say that about pretty much anybody who has a bad season. Oh, they were banged up. But you expect to see it this season, I guess would be my answer from Schwartz. Because he was like the best right tackle in football, according to PFF. In yeah, people loved Mitchell Schwartz when he when they signed him. And I, I, mean, I still think it's a good signing. It's a solid signing. I'm with you. I think more times than not, especially paying free agent offensive linemen, you'll never yield the dividends of it because it's just it's not a glamour position. It's hard to really evaluate. And unless mm-hmm. your team takes a big step forward, it's hard to know if the money that you spend on Schwartz, like obviously he's better than a fourth round player, a third round player. Man, for the money you're paying the third round player, maybe it's not that much of a difference that you could spend that money on wide receiver running back another higher impact position and then kind of see it from there. I think Fisher's the only one that I look at as mm, maybe not uh, making a return on on the investment. Like, spending the number one pick on him, obviously. Terrible draft and whatnot. Could debate that all day, but I wouldn't have paid him last year. I mean, I think he's just going to be an average left tackle. And maybe if you want your money tied up in that, like you don't want a bad left tackle, obviously. I actually don't mind the Fisher contract. The Larry DuVernay-Tardy contract's the one. Like, why? Like, why did you pay him yet? Like, you didn't have to pay him. Like, you paid him really for no reason. I keep seeing positive stuff on him and maybe i'm just putting too much stock into uh, our guy seth kaiser's reviews on arrowhead pride but he loves him and i honestly don't know anything about offensive line play so i'm kind of just trusting what i read out there i i, I want to see it out of duvernay tardif this year i'll say that i thought that they took a step back specifically when they were running the ball when anger went down last year and i don't know if that's like just a very convenient timeline of when spencer ware also happened to get his concussion or what but directly correlated. I'll, I'll be very interested to see when and if Anger gets back into the lineup or if they're just going to start Witzman and Witzman just plays the whole year. Um, but, I mean, we saw – now, granted, we're talking about, you know, at the very least two Hall of Famers, maybe three Hall of Famers um, on those offensive lines that the Chiefs had in the early 2000s. But we had this one position – at right tackle where it was just like it doesn't matter who plays there it can be John Wellborn or it can be John Tate or whatever and they just rotated through guys and so if we have four spots and then left guard is the one that we're rotating through guys and these guys are good enough then we should be fine but I mean it is it is patently obvious especially if you look at pro football focus that they are very good at pass blocking and they're just not very good at running they get out in space well they're they're an athletic offensive line which Again, I, I just got to see a value from it. I'm not sure. saying the Chiefs have a bad offensive line by any means. I do, obviously, I don't know enough to tell you if they have a good or bad offensive line. Yeah. Just based on anything, you got a limited salary cap, and you spent a lot of resources for a really good offensive line. Point and tell yeah. me where the fruits are. Like That's my biggest argument with the offensive line. I would say you look for it in few sacks given up this year and maybe like how good they do on screen passes and stuff like that. That's the value you'll see this season. We haven't talked a whole lot about defense. So much of this has been about the offense. Let's move to defense. Every argument about the defense is based on one sentence. If Justin Houston is healthy. Everything is based on that one thing. He good. Because if Justin Houston's healthy, I think we all agree they can have a really good defense. If he's not healthy, they're going to have to figure some things out. I don't know if you can hold yourself up through turnovers the way they did last season. 
And if you're not going to create pressure, which they didn't do a good job of last season, man, it's just hard to consistently have a good defense in the NFL, and it's hard to maintain that bend-but-don't-break mentality if you're not forcing turnovers at a high clip the way they have and if you can't get a pass rush. I'll tell you this much. Um, the, the one thing that gives me at least a little bit of confidence is that they put Tomba on Pup. At the very least, they think that Justin Houston is fully healthy and Justin Houston thinks that he's fully healthy or else Tomba would be ready right now. Like they're, they are resting Tomba. He could, I'm, I guarantee you like Tomba could go out and play on Thursday night if they needed him to. Oh, yeah. But I think that they are willing to lean on Justin Houston. They feel confident that he's ready to go. Am I? No, not at all. I don't think Justin Houston's ever going to be the same player again. I don't have any reason to believe that. When you say not the same player again, are you, are we talking about at the top, like the 22 sacks? Are we talking about, a 10 to 15 sack hellraiser on defense. I do think that's still possible for Justin Houston. I mean, I am so weary of of making any kind of prediction for him and I'm just I'm just gun shy about it. Justin Houston, that guy I saw was, Justin Houston was one of the 5 to 10 best players in the NFL, including quarterbacks. Like at one point, he was he was in the same conversation as as JJ Watt. Like this guy is that dominant. Just really quick though, the guy I saw play defense against the Broncos last season is absolutely still there. Oh yeah. Like now, you're right. I don't know if he can stay healthy for four, six, seven, eight games, or you know, I don't know how long mm-hmm. that guy can stay healthy. But that guy I saw play Sunday Night Football against the Broncos still has it. Like just and now you can make an argument it was against the worst right tackle situation in the NFL because he absolutely terrorized was it Ty Sambrillo or yeah. Sambrillo how you pronounce and, his name and and Donald Stevenson yeah and, and they, Stevenson they they, they made I think a change terrorized Nick Stevenson just came in and started holding him and hoping they didn't <laughs> call it that was his game plan like man I'm not thinking about that that was an ass whooping like oh, it's yeah. it's hard to get whipped worse than the Denver's right tackle situation got beat but that was also like his first game back and maybe so they weren't giving him the attention that he probably deserves and will get the rest of his career probably so I don't know if that's like an anomaly there or... it was obvious though after the first 10 snaps of the game yo Justin Houston came to play today oh, yeah. <laughs> like it was pretty right. obvious that you need to figure something out a little bit different than what they were doing, and they did not do it. But, yes, so much of this season, the conversation is based on if Justin Houston is healthy, which the guys played 16 games the last two seasons. I haven't really seen a lot of reason to think he is healthy. And, I mean, I mean, people say that because he's such an integral part of the run defense, which fell apart last season without him and Derek Johnson and some of the defensive linemen. And the pass rush. Like, he's counted on for both of those. Like, I don't know if we can just stop the run or the pass without Justin Houston. And with him, at least at full strength, I'm pretty confident that we can do both. Like, he's that important. And that's why you pay him $100 million. I mean, you expect him to play and be that good. The the thing that's so frustrating is that, like, we haven't seen the team at full strength when they've hit the playoffs each of these times. Someone is always hurt, and it always seems to be one of the pass rushers, whether it's Tomba or Houston or both. We've never had we've, and, we've almost been defined by pass rush over these four years with Andy Reid, at least our defense, and we've never had a good pass rush in a playoff game. That's right. good, that, that's good. You bring that up. I was I, I was thinking of this. It's far ahead. We can just do it right now. Pass rush. We could say two years ago, clear strength of this team, very defined. We knew who the pass rushers were. Do we know who they are now? Justin Houston, if healthy, big asterisks. Ryan doesn't think he's going to be the player that he used to be. Tomba's on the pup list. Who's generating the pass rush? Are we confident in D Ford? Like, where do we think this pass rush is coming from? It's not like they went out there and drafted a sack guy. It's not like their defensive line is built for a guy to get a lot of sacks to shoot just based on the defensive scheme they run. 
pass rush has gone from a certainty on this team to one of the bigger question marks that we don't talk about. We talk a lot about secondary, a lot about wide receiver, a lot about a lot of things. Pass rush continues to be a concern for me with this team. Yeah, I mean, I would say we know the guys. We just don't know if they're capable. I mean, we don't know mm-hmm. Justin Houston's health. We don't know if D Ford. We don't know anything about D Ford. At least I don't know anything. Ryan, you like D Ford? You still believe in him? So here's the the weird thing. Like all the questions that we have about Justin Houston. Um, granted, they're all centered around health, but I feel like we have all the same questions with D Ford. Like, it, which which one is going to show up? We don't know if he's any good or not. And this is his fourth season. We still don't know yeah. if the guy's good or no fourth. Fourth, it's fourth. So yeah. like, I I mean. Dude, I don't know. I have I have no idea. I would say that the second best pass rusher behind Justin Houston, the guy I have the most confidence in, is hey. Chris Jones. Ah. And it's it's weird because we like he's not a pass rusher. I mean, we get we get that, but um, I think everybody agrees he's poised for a good season, right? Chris Jones. Oh yeah. Like Chris, I don't like there's any I, denying that. I was surprised how developed he was last season. Like I was surprised at how oh, far was. along he was last season. And the like, national media loves him too. Yeah, like, like people think he's going to be a star. Like rookie defensive lineman, just especially not a pass rusher, kind of develops a little slower than other positions. It's not an impact position that really jumps off. Chris Jones jumped off the page last season. Like you're right, national star, very bubbly personality. Certainly will get the sound bite. If you're a national mm-hmm. guy that wants a quote, go to Chris Jones. He'll provide it for you. He does have the makings of being. A relative star. I mean, he plays nose tackle in Kansas City. Like, how big of a star can that player be? But certainly a a, a well-known, popular player. Mm-hmm. I would say the pass rush is kind of depending on the defensive line to win some of those one-on-one matchups. Like, he has to win. Nunez Roches has to come in and win. I like him. Alan Bailey has to come in and win. Benny Logan, mostly there for run defense, but he can still put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. Like, these guys have to win their one-on-one matchups for, the, for it to be a good pass rush. I don't think... Just the outside linebackers. It's not. This isn't Justin Houston and, and Tom Bahalid circa 2014, where they're just going to terrorize pretty much by themselves. It's not going to be that. It's going to have to be a, a group effort. And and one problem going back to D Ford, one weakness that we just have there, he's always going to be a run it. Mm-hmm. Like good offenses know that they can always run at D Ford, no matter no matter the situation. That's that's just a glaring weakness that we'll always have to deal with as long as he's a starter like that. And like one of the unfortunate things is that as a as a part of that group, we are absolutely destined to see Frank Zombo play meaningful snaps. And especially if if, any, if if anybody gets hurt, I mean, he's your third pass rusher until Tomba comes back. And now how they use uh this what are we calling him? K Pass. He's got fourteen nicknames. Uh the the He's just passing Yo to me. K Pass isn't a nickname, it's just a shortened version of his name. Right. So <laughs> But we, we look at this guy, and, I mean, just on his, his sheer size is, is obviously gifted. Um, I, I was really surprised at how fluid he looked in preseason. Um, and they've got him listed at outside linebacker. Do you on, think he plays at all with the, with the starting defense? Um, I think that he gets in there in sub packages. They're going to try to bring him along slowly, but, I mean, why is there any reason to not give him 10 snaps a game at this point right now? I mean – that's then I would say just hope a couple times based on his athleticism he wins that match. Yeah, just just see him and and they can throw him in in the nickel if they want to use him as one of the down linemen or they want to throw him outside. Like I I like that Bob Sutton you know gets to mix up personnel and stuff and I think that he's a he's a very interesting piece of what they can do. I actually kind of like the front seven, but I think that I like the front seven more in 2019 than I do in 2017. Let me ask you guys this, because I think you guys are better equipped to answer this question than even me. And I, I, 
do we like the upgrade of Benny Logan over Dontari Poe? I feel like the national media likes it. I, I can't. Kind of like we were talking about offensive line. I'm not equipped enough to evaluate defensive line, and I'm just going to regurgitate what I've seen other people say. I, I will say this. In Kansas City, I absolutely like the Benny Logan change from Dontari Poe, but I think that what is, is going to be very interesting is to watch – the 330 pound Dontari Poe that is like as light as he was his senior year of high school playing in Atlanta playing in a 4-3 being asked to be disruptive versus Benny Logan playing nose tackle like people are going to see Dontari Poe probably have a very good year in Atlanta and say what the hell were we thinking and he's playing a completely different position lost a ton of weight and being asked to do different things I would agree with that I think he's a better fit as a 4-3 defensive tackle because he can really use his athleticism more than kind of out wide maybe against the guard um but I, my problem with Dontari Poe in Kansas City he got worse every year I mean when he first came on the scene I mean throw the rookie year aside I guess 2013 when he first came on the scene man remember he had like eight sacks through the first eight weeks like mm-hmm. he was a complete terror and maybe he just wasn't getting the attention that he was later on but his production at least went down every single season so you're not going to pay that guy big and back problems I was adamant do not pay Don Taripo. Do not pay Don Taripo. That's one of the worst contracts you can give out. Big and back problems. And the NFL clearly agreed. I wasn't paying them. I need to see you stay healthy. You're over 300 pounds, and you've had chronic nagging back issues. How is that smart money to give that guy $25 million guaranteed? Like One of the smartest things that Dorsey left on his way out was avoiding the contract to Don Taripo. And the writing was on the wall there. I mean, you draft Chris Jones. That's the typical Dorsey replacement draft pick there. And then once Chris Jones blossomed into the player he was last year, there was, I mean, I was saying there's no chance that Dondre Poe comes back. This is a really good point, Ryan. I'll throw it to you really quickly. I am disappointed, I guess, from our perspective as someone that tries to kind of predict what the Chiefs are going to do is we kind of learned the tendencies of Dorsey, at least from a draft perspective, the last four seasons. Like, you're right. You draft Chris Jones, it was pretty obvious what the next move was going to be. You draft Eric Fisher, it's obviously what the move's going to be with Brandon Albert. Now you start fresh. I don't know what the hell Brett Veach thinks. I don't know what they're going to do. Hell, they only got four draft picks next year, and none of them are really valuable. I guess I got a second-round draft pick. They don't have many valuable picks next season. They're going to make you work next April. Damn, that sounds, I mean, that sounds terrible. I, mean, I would say no first-round draft. People just won't care about the draft next year in Kansas City, I don't think. That's true. They they may not. I, I'll tell you this much. Um, unless somebody steps up and, and really ends up balling out, that second-round pick next year is going to be a cornerback. I can tell you that much. Could be wide receiver. I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't know. I, I guess I, I look at Tyreek and Conley, and I look at the importance of being able to play defense and – Man, Steven Nelson going on this short-term IR, that sucks. I mean, Terrence it's Mitchell has – I mean, we're going to get to the defense backs, I guess. But Terrence Mitchell hasn't practiced all offseason. I don't, I don't want to hijack this talk. No, go ahead. No, no, no go but ahead. I mean, that's, that's, it's open. Go ahead. that's essentially where I was going. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you look no, at – like, Steven Nelson – if Steven Nelson is going to miss at minimum eight weeks – and that's, we that, haven't that crushed me yesterday. I, I was that crushed I was me. Enjoying my Labor Day <laughs> weekend. Everybody. I had five drinks to me, and I'm start opening up. You Twitter know whose weekend it didn't crush? Things? Tom Brady's. You <laughs> know whose weekend it didn't crush? Carson Wentz. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not confident starting the page, stopping the Patriots on Thursday. And I'll say that. I, I wasn't confident if they had both of them. <laughs> I give the Chiefs like a five percent chance of winning on Thursday, like a five percent chance. You think they keep it close? No, I think I think they get blown out. I think most teams get blown out of that center. Like, I think people this week, when I talk about it on the radio, hear it like, why are you so negative, Mr. Chiefs? 
I think the Patriots are clearing away the best team in the NFL. I think they win at least 14 games this year. I do not think you beat this team in this scenario. Like, some team will beat them. It's going to be on the road. Now, if this game was at Arrowhead, yeah, you obviously have a chance to beat them. What? Yeah. On the road, Brady gets his fifth ring, Lombardi trophy, big ceremony as Brady has more rings than everybody. Flag goes up, Goodell's there, Gronk's back for the first time. I mean, it's opening day. The, the Super Bowl champions never lost on opening day other than Baltimore, who had to go on the road. To, to Denver. Because yeah, it's of, like 11 and the last 12. Up. Yeah, it's, uh, so it, it's, they were the only ones that lost, and it's because they weren't at home. That's like, why That's why I think, I said this from the day the schedule came out, the game against the Eagles is the most important game of the season. Must win. Most important game. They have to win. Because they're not winning week one. And the Eagles aren't aren't a pushover. No, I, I was thinking when that schedule first came out, I was like, oh, that's cool. We got the Eagles at home. That's that's like a guaranteed win the next week. But I'm Kind of worried about that. Their front seven is is loaded. Like that's a, yeah, week, that's, a that's a solid team. Week two against the Eagles is the most important game on the schedule. If this team starts out zero and two, because then you got at, at the Chargers the next week, you don't want to be zero and two going to L A. An improved L A. team. Yeah, on in a must win divisional game against a team that gives you fits. The Chargers always give the Chiefs fits. That's not mm-hmm. a guaranteed dub to walk in there. So yes. The Chiefs better win week two against Philadelphia. Most important game on their schedule. This game Thursday is really – so it's really weird. Like, in terms of preparation and game planning, I don't think it's, like, unlike a playoff game. It feels like a standalone because you end up – you you have this Thursday night before actual NFL Sunday, and it is, like, the first game of the year. And, like, both teams, I think, are going to be doing some – like, you're going to get some some weird football on Thursday. But like, the, Wonky. the Pats are just they're they're obviously they're a different animal, right? Now I will say that I think if anybody can do it, if anybody can go go into New England on a Thursday night to start the season and do it, I think Andy can. Like that's that if anybody in the league can do it, I think Andy can do it. I mean, but does he have a good? He playing corner in the game? Like you you might maybe you got some injury I mean, breaking news on hey, the he's, podcast. He's losing weight, man. He's playing Listen, corner. He's losing weight. He, okay, he so who's what's what's the bigger loss, Julian Edelman or Steven Nelson? Like I I'm gonna say it's Julian Edelman. I mean, I could be wrong here. I, but. I agree with you, but we know the Patriots will just create someone you've never heard of before. I mean, like I'm with you. Edelman's a huge loss. I'm not trying to diminish the loss of Julian Edelman. Brandon Cooks is going to eat. Chris Hogan's going to eat. Whoever's and, in the slot is going to yeah, eat. And, and, and they're just going to find somebody. Like They're just going to make another white wide receiver. That's what they're going to do. They're just going to go in the back. And they're going to dig around. They're going to find another white ride receiver. And they're going to turn Danny Amendola still there. Like, yeah, they're going to cook the cheese. I'll say, as as a fan, like, I'm treating this game as a dress rehearsal. Like, I I don't expect them to win at all. I'm, I'm in the same boat that you are saying, like, I think they're going to get crushed, honestly. It is potentially the worst possible scenario to begin the season on the road. I think it's the hardest game in the NFL. I yeah. think it's I think if we look at every was it all two fifty six or whatever games it is in the NFL, it is the hardest game in the NFL season. I would pick every team to lose. I'd pick Dallas to lose, Green Bay, Seattle. I would pick every team in the NFL to lose in this scenario. Let me ask you this, you know, what's your show on, on Friday if the Chiefs win? They're the best team in the NFL. Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. Yeah, best team in the NFL. If you win that game, you're the best team in the NFL. It's, it's just it's it's a one to one power, kind of like if you're the seventh team in the college football and you beat the number one team, you're the best team in the, you're the, the championship team in the belt. Team. Yeah, they, they no, take the championship belt from. Them. If you went on Friday, I absolutely would come here and say the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. Huh. And, and now you have a sidetrack for the one seed. I mean, you have the tiebreaker of the Patriots. Now I don't think you win fourteen games the way the Patriots are, but clearly the Patriots are on a fourteen win team if they lose game one at home to the Chiefs. No, so yeah, my it will absolutely be the Chiefs the best team in the NFL. I, I mean, I'm. I'm Excited about the game just because nobody's expecting us to win. Like, there's no expectations for us. We could get crushed 
and I don't think I'd change my season prediction for the Chiefs at all. Plus, I would say this, though. The Mahomes dream is dead if they win week one. Oh, obviously. Yeah, Mahomes is not playing any time in the season unless it's the injury. Like your scenario of later in the year, yeah. no. He absolutely, he will. No, no way Mahomes plays if they win week one. Right. Now, obviously something can happen. Maybe they're competitive in the game. Like, it's certainly possible they're competitive and it's a 27-24 game. Like, man, Chiefs played really hard in this one. The only way it's a loss for the Chiefs me is, is if they get blown out. You can't go out there and get beat 31-3. But if you go out there and you're competitive and it's a late touchdown that makes it a 10-point win, the Patriots barely cover, all right. Like, again, most of us think the Chiefs. Vegas has what? The Chiefs is a 9.5-point dog in this one. You're not winning this game. Be competitive, though. That, that, that speaks a lot about your preparedness, your readiness. Are you a contender? If you go out there and, again, and get beat 31-3, to we will have a serious conversation come Monday or Friday. But nobody's nobody would be shocked by that, would they? Would you no, be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, 31-3 to in that scenario when you've had five weeks to play. 31-10. I mean, call that's an ass whooping, man. That 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 it is an ass whooping, but, no, but it, doesn't, whooping. it doesn't surprise me, and, and it doesn't change anything for the season for me. And I would say it all depends on, like, and it would say it all, it all depends on how the ass whooping happens. Like maybe now we're kind of like parsing, kind of seeing how the game works. Maybe it's just one of those games, man. You just turn the ball over three, four times. Let's say the offense looks lethargic in this one. They can't seem to move the ball. They can't get on the board. The defense is getting in shreds. I will absolutely be terrified of that Eagles game if that's the case. Like if they come out there and just lay a complete stinker. I don't. I don't want to see the offense go out there and struggle because, and I, I know that Bill Belichick is a genius and he's able to just like plug all these guys in. Who is the, who is the best pass rusher on the Patriots? Who is a starting pass Trey rusher Flowers. on the Patriots? I don't, I cannot name their outside linebackers. Like I don't, I don't know who they are. I really don't know anyone in their front seven except for Dante Hightower. Trey Flowers and, is really good on the defensive line. But I, I look at, obviously they have a, a good secondary like that's and that's an understatement. I mean, you have Malcolm Butler and Stephon Gilmore and uh, McCordy playing mm. safety. Like they're they're good and the back end. But like you you also have to look back and I it's so it's so strange, man. It's, and I know it's not fair, but like the last time that the Chiefs played the Patriots, that game was really close. And we already talked about like it was a Jason Avant game, right? Like that game was close. But we also played. Was, we also pulled like five of those plays out of our ass. Like I'm not counting on repeating Alex running around for his life and then heaving it 50 yards to Chris Conley. Plus, I'm close just, in that is a seven minute, two minute drill. You know what I mean? Like close. I'm with you. It was close. Kind of close in score only. It, it, it I would was, say the score is closer than the game. Yeah, yeah no, score is absolutely closer. I mean, for just sure. being there, not trying to like throw any kind of shade or like big time myself. Like I was there, but. Just watching the talent, watching that environment, the game was not as close the as he said the score. Kind of took kind of kept us at arm's length the entire game. Like we're just gonna stay up one to two possessions and and play with you. And right. Under right. both of you guys like KU basketball, it kind of felt like games at Allen. Like the games at Allen will be seven point games, but Kansas was never in danger of losing. You're like, all right, it's the Allen effect. Like, yeah, you're not you're not beating that team in that scenario. They win these games all the time. That's how that game felt. And that's why, like, I and I wonder if, like, does. Is is New England charged up for Thursday night against the Chiefs? Like absolutely, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean really? and, and, and to be charged up for everything. Yeah, and, and to me, the biggest reason Goodell's there. Oh yeah, Goodell's there, and in a, a Chiefs jersey, right? And Brady gets five. Brady what? getting five. The electricity of the crowd, and Goodell being the thing. How many signs we're gonna see? I want to see Goodell in a Mahomes jersey. That's what I want. It's going to look like college game day out there. He'd, he'd be wearing an Alex jersey. <laughs> an Alex jersey. He'd, be, he'd be wearing a Clark Hunt He represents jersey. the NFL. 
He's wearing a Tyreek Hill jersey talking about how domestic violence is. They're, they're going to be tougher on it this year. That's, the, that the might be a talking thing, point. If, if, there's, look, if there's any positive of playing the Patriots in week one, it is that it's on Thursday night and it gives you 10 days to acclimate, to evaluate what happened, to try to figure some things out, and get ready for Philly. Now, I, I do think it's interesting that you said that that Philly game is like the most important game of the season. I wasn't really going there, but but when I said like I, I'm treating this as a fan, as a dress rehearsal, I – I'm just like writing the game off. Like it's a 15 game season and we start with one in the loss column. Yeah, same here. I've been doing that for six months. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've been 0 1 for six months. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the exact same way I looked at it. Cornerback, we kind of alluded to it and kind of got off on a tangent, which is perfectly fine. They, I believe, they have eight corners under the age of 25, now seven because of the Steven Nelson injury. We know one of them and we know that side of the field is taken care of. Why would you ever throw to that side? Like, if Marcus Peters is going to be on one side and they're not going to move him and have him kind of be a rover and follow the other team's best receiver, I'm actively avoiding Peters. If you throw to Peters four or five times in a game, yeah, you might get one or two big plays. He's catching one of them. I've just I've seen it happen too many times. I'm not going to continue to test that side, which puts more of a pressure on Mitchell, Gaines, Nelson, and the other guys on the other side of the field. I mean, that's 2016 in a nutshell. I mean, after the first three or four games when people were testing Peters and he was picking off passes. He had like five through the first four games or something. They stopped throwing at him. Like you're not in. And if he's, if something's going to continue to run that scheme, they're not. I mean, that's the end, the end of the argument, I think. Well, and okay. So let's say Tom Brady throws 30 passes on Thursday. I bet he throws at most like three in the way of Marcus Peters. And a lot of that may have to do with just this, this wealth of running backs that they have, like th- where we're really going to be tested is the linebackers and the safeties being able to cover their running backs. Yes. And I mean, that's, that's, that's what a lot of teams are going to be, be struggling with is because they just have, they've got all these guys that can catch the ball and they don't like Tom, Tom obviously spreads it around. Like Edelman was kind of his security blanket. And I guess Gronk is too. But I mean, if you watch that, that 2015 playoff game, every big play, like third and four, so they'd throw at the slot. And it was and Edelman it was, in the slot on Ron, Ron Parker. Parker was playing yeah. slot. But he's also playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. He's not pressing because we didn't have a true slot corner. And without Steven Nelson, we don't have a slot corner now. It's going to be Gaines. And I, and I think that Gaines has actually can like... can he press in the slot? Like, you need to be able to press that. All I Otherwise, they're just going to run little getting... pick plays, and they're going to pick up every single third and, and four. Five. Yeah. Remember when Gaines was getting barbecued in that Broncos game? Who was that guy that cooked him for that long touchdown pass? I don't remember the guy's name, but... One Broncos receiver gains. It, he it was wasn't awful. one of the, the two big ones. Nah, it was it was some the unknown guy. guy. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the top Cody of my Latimer, head. Maybe I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Remember when Chiefs fans loved Cody Latimer and wanted him in Kansas City? Mm, no, you remember? You guys remember? <laughs> get, get the hell out of here! You guys I'll, remember? No, no. Both no. of them, both, both of them looked at each other like, no, we don't remember. Yeah, no. do you remember? You not. definitely, you definitely wanted He's Cody Latimer. Guy. I don't remember that at all. I think I probably did. Yeah, Cody like he was like six five out of Indiana. A lot of people wanted Whatever. Cody Latimer. Listen, if you are taken in the second or third round, I I want you on my team. <laughs> I like all the second and third round draft picks. I will tell you this: when Philip Gaines was healthy, before we started seeing all of these injuries to Philip Gaines, people were excited. People liked what they saw from him. I mean, he's and a poor so, man's Justin Houston. Like, if he's healthy, he can be good. And that's and so that's the thing. Like, I I can't trust him to stay healthy. But if I get 16 games out of Philip Gaines, I think that he will play well. And that doesn't mean that he's going to be a great player. But like, I feel comfortable with him on the field if he is healthy. 
I also don't trust him in the slot. I like this as my super secret game plan because everybody's thinking the Chiefs aren't moving their corners. Tom Brady loves to throw to the slot. We got all this time to prepare. It's this first week we've had, you know, the Patriots on our schedule for six months here. Put Marcus Peters in the slot. Put him in the slot. Take away that security blanket. Take away what the Patriots do best, like Belichick does to the opposing offense. He likes the slot receiver. Put Peters in the slot. Put Gaines and Terrence Mitchell on the outside and roll with that. And I'd press that slot receiver. Get up right in his face and press him. Take away that third and fourth throw that's so easy for him. I don't know. Man, so so much about Peters is like instinctual and he plays a little bit with like his back to the sideline and I don't I don't think he can do that. We slot. need to take chances like that though. We can't just go him. out there and and let them dink and dunk. We cannot just play the bend and break defense right. and expect to win this game. Like we have to go out and attack. And the best way to do that is with a wrinkle. Mm-hmm. Confuse them. Give them something that they not expecting. We've can you confuse have the Patriots? Something. You think yeah, of course, and but they'll be quicker than any team to adjust, so you got to be ready for that. But yeah, you can confuse them. I mean, nobody would expect to see Peters in the slot because we've never shown it, hasn't been talked about in any practice reports or anything like that. Like, throw something like that at them. Make them try to adjust. Like, you have to do that because we're such big underdogs. You can't just go out there and play our typical Chiefs game and try and grind this one out 17-16. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think there's any chance it's going to work. The the weird thing with New England though is like I, I I love the question can can you like throw a wrinkle at the Patriots because like the teams that have beat them they haven't done anything like that it hasn't been some special package it's been the Giants generating pressure with the front four and being able to hit Brady in the mouth it's been Von Miller completely wreaking havoc or, or really just Denver's front being able to do it and so like I don't I don't know if there's something that you can do to really throw off. Belichick and Brady like I just I don't know if you can it has to be it's I think for the most part it's just a sheer like battle of you have to win one-on-one matchups against New England and that's on both sides of the ball you have to just beat them and I because I don't think that New England okay but our corners can't they can't win the one-on-one matchups that that's why that's why we're 0-1 <laughs> that's, like, that, well, that's, that's what I'm saying change something don't accept the 0-1 throw a curveball in there I mean you seem to be saying like just take the loss I'm, I'm but, saying go out there, try something no, different. No, because I don't, I don't think that it necessarily has to do with... I mean, look, we, we have seen what felt like an inability to get anywhere near Tom Brady because he was throwing the ball in like two seconds. We saw the same thing with Peyton Manning when you know his first couple years in Denver when it was like, how are we supposed to beat this team? Mm-hmm. And Negated our but, pass rush. But, I, and so I guess that maybe like when Denver beat New England, it's because... They had the combination of the pass rush and being able to have Akeem Tlaib and Chris Harris exactly. and, and Bradley Roby. So, like, I, I get that. Um, you have to take away his like, first read, and then the pressure can get there. I just, man, I really don't think that putting Marcus Peters in the slot is the right thing to do. That's just, a, just I mean, that's just that's that's a dirt. Throw your wrinkle out that's there. The no, dirt. nobody. I, I don't have any problem with wrinkle. I want to go back and ask you a question about the offense. I completely forgot to talk about this, and we can talk about it. We're here. Let's just let's let's get everything Chiefs out there. Uh, Tyree Kill transitioning to the number one receiver. Cause for concern, excitement. Where are you guys at? Because I think it is a good move. I think people are maybe overselling the kind of season he's going to have. Like, I think he maybe has 850, 900 yards due to Alex Smith transition to the position, etc. I just, I'm not expecting one of those big Deshaun Jackson kind of years that maybe the stats would indicate from Deshaun Jackson when he was in Philadelphia. 
I was just curious where you guys were at on that because we didn't get to it. I don't – I'm not expecting a huge year, I guess. I mean, you see – he's, he's kind of like the typical training camp superstar, and maybe sometimes maybe you see that as, like, the lesser-tier players, but also sometimes it's, like, the upper-tier players, and they just won't, like – I mean, you can see it, why it happens. They released Jeremy Macklin. Now we're going to pump up Tyreek Hill as the number one receiver. Um, I Especially when so much of training camp is designed for guys like Tyreek Hill to flourish. Yeah. Like, it benefits smaller, faster players. I was very worried, and then, you know, you see the training camp videos, him just roasting corners like that, and you get more confident. And then we kind of showcased him in week one, and then didn't really after that. And maybe that's on purpose to be like, we we have, like, Tyreek Hill plays, and we're not going to showcase them in the preseason. That movie after that put on that game, guy from San Francisco was nasty, though. Yeah. And, I mean, he, was, he had those in, in training camp against some of the good corners on the Chiefs. And, it's, I mean, against Peters. He was catching deep balls on Peters over and over. Um, long answer short, I don't know. I th- I think that he's still going to be used in a variety of ways, if for no other reason than he's just so immensely talented. And, and like, they, they will hand him the ball. And it's not just going to be on reverses. Like, I think you'll see Tyreek Hill even line up in the backfield again. And even as your number one receiver, they're still going to have these, like, weird Tyreek Hill package plays that they're going to do. Honestly, my biggest concern with him, and <laughs> – it's it might be lazy on my part, but like, I just don't know if the guy can stay healthy. I really don't. He's small, man. Like he's he is a little guy. That's my fear too. And and when you so you look at like some of the people that he's compared to, and and it's a lot of it is based like on the sheer size of the player, and it's Antonio Brown and Steve Smith, you know, and those guys are the exceptions. They're not the rule. And so when I look at a guy that's, I mean, five eight maybe. And, I mean, he's obviously solidly built, but, like, you just know how brutal this game is, man. And if if the volume of, of touches and the way that he's used and everything continues to grow, like, I don't know if he can take the punishment. It's, obviously, it's, he's unbelievably talented. It's man. a lot to ask to just move him up to receiver one all of a sudden. I mean, fifth-round rookie last year, nobody really knew what to expect. Kind of give him these gadget plays, handoffs and screens and whatnot. And he's looked good in his pass routes that he's run, I guess. But now all of a sudden he's – thrust into that receiver one role and maybe that doesn't carry as much light in the Chiefs offense as it would in other offenses but it, it is a lot to ask from a second year fifth round rookie who was playing at didn't he only play whatever college he's playing. West East, Alabama he West played Alabama. like 50% of the snaps or something as a rookie right mm-hmm. like it was not that much no. but it was like if he was on the field he got the ball yep and scored <laughs> yeah 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 and did something pretty amazing right that's my fear what you talked about was the size, and I've been making that point. Everybody makes the same thing. What about Antonio Brown? Well, like, I've been making this point kind of go back, jump up to Holmes. I think you guys understand the comparison. Like, both Aaron Rodgers and Brock Osweiler did the same thing. One of them worked and one of them didn't work. I don't hear, man, Brock Osweiler sat for three years behind Peyton Manning. Now look how advanced he is. Well, because Aaron Rodgers was going to work, and Brock Osweiler clearly wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. That you're right. What's good for Antonio Brown isn't good for every small player in the NFL. We just saw Talalaki get hurt last season. He's the same size as Antonio Brown. Like, it's football. You're right. It's a brutal game. It's a contact sport. Guys are going to get injured and struggle with it. And what you were saying, the transition was, man, last year no one really knew about Tyreek Hill. And when you did know who he was, it was week 12, week 13. This is all offseason you've had time to scout and prepare and plan. And very few players are that dominant. Like, unless you think he's Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, which maybe he is, 
Man, very few players in the NFL just run ruckshot over the league the way he did last season. There were times he was unstoppable. That game against the Broncos on Sunday football, he was unstoppable. That's not the way the NFL is. That's how college is. It's not how NFL is where one player is just clearly superior to everybody else in a skill position. That's not quarterback. That I just I struggle this year when more of the attention, more of the focus, the game plan is going to be to stop Tyreek Hill. Does he still have those big moments and those stretchers where he looks completely unstoppable? Also, how does he handle struggling? How does he handle the extra attention? Like, does he get frustrated with not taking all these carries to the house? I mean, he touched the ball like five times in those games that he was exploding last year and, you know, Mm -hmm. takes three of them for 20 yards and one of them 80 yards. Like, if he gets that extra attention, it's not going to be nearly as easy. He's going to have to grind out some of these games. He's, he's going to have to have six keep, catches for 48 yards or something. He's going to have to keep chopping wood. Yeah, <laughs> you got to yeah. keep chopping wood. No, if not for a second, can you not uh, stop chopping wood? We've been at this for an hour and a half. You guys got anything Anything you guys want to touch on? I feel like we've done a pretty comprehensive. I don't really feel like going through the kicking game and the punting game. <laughs> Dustin's going to be Dustin. Let's see how healthy Cairo Santos is. Their special teams is Dave Tope. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, their special teams is Dave Tope. They're going to be good. This, uh, what they had, two block punts during the preseason and a return for a touchdown. Like, yes, they're going to be pretty solid special teams. Like two punts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. they, had two, yeah. they had won the first one and then won the last one. Wow. They? Yeah, they, they, they had two block punts. Over under a half this this season. Block punt? Yeah. Over. I'll take, I'll take it over. Uh, uh, one last thing on, on Tyreek. Like- kick return. I was going to say really quick to start to cut you off. Kick return. We agree Tyreek's doing the punts. Kick return is going to be a combination of guys. Spiller, Demarcus Robinson is not going to be one set kick returner. Spiller I, or Dad, I would think. I think that they'll put Tyreek out there and when it matters in like games in games that they want to mess with somebody. But I mean, most of the time the the kick is going out of the back of the end zone, anyways. I mean, that's the way it's designed in this yeah. league now. But I'd go Spiller would be my first choice. <laughs> so, last one quick thing on Tyreek. Um, it really depends on how he's defended. Because there are there are few true like shut down corners in the league, and so if you're not doing all this different shading and trying to double team him or always having help over the top or what, like Tyreek, based on his speed and even what he's shown to be pretty capable in route running, he will just beat guys in front of him. So like. His his numbers, I don't think there's any reason why his numbers shouldn't go up if they're going to continue to give him the volume. But, man, I, I want to say it was the Seattle game. He had like three or four balls go off his hands, and some of them weren't really like thrown in the right spot, and he's having to try to adjust to something behind him and whatnot. But like that is that is the kind of stuff that I worry about, is like going from you you are a small part of the offense, but when you're on the field, you you are a focus to – now it's like there are big time expectations for you, and if you do struggle, like how what is what is his reaction to that going to be? And I, I but I I do think that like he's still he's still going to get open. There teams are going to have to decide if they want to shut down Tyreek or Travis Kelsey. Like that you have to make a decision every single week. And so if if Andy Reid and if Alex Smith are willing to say we have two for all intents and purposes superstars on this offense and you can't double-team both of them, I'm going to throw it to the guy that only has single coverage every time. I'm just going to do that. That's why I was I was really high on the Chiefs' offense up until they released Jeremy Macklin, just because of that point. Teams are going to have to pay so much attention to Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Macklin, he would have been in one-on-one coverage pretty much every play. Mm-hmm. Like He was poised for a huge season. 
and they wanted the cap room. But I, I would be much more confident in the Chiefs' 2017 offense if Jerry Macklin was still a part of it. Yeah, I would too. I think you guys saw my playoff teams. I'll just go through it and get your opinion on it really quick. We talked wrong. about it to start the podcast. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I think I might get all six teams right this year. I, I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> I had Oakland winning the AFC West. Wrong. Tennessee, I'm very high on Tennessee this year. I, I think I think Tennessee's a lock to win double-digit games this year, if you just want my NFL lock, lock to win double-digit games this year. I, I think the interesting question is, like, Tennessee versus Tampa Bay, because those are kind of like the two hot breakout candidates. Yeah. Like, which one of those two do you like more? I, like, I think Super you like Bowl. both, don't you? Yeah, I got, I got Tampa Bay in the playoffs, yeah. too. I just think that I'm more kind of sold on the division. Like, that division has always has so much turnover. You can't pick the Saints. They can't defend anybody. I'm still kind of blank on Carolina. So I just think it kind of comes down to Atlanta or Tampa Bay. I'll roll the dice and take Tampa Bay. My AFC playoff teams were Pittsburgh and I'm trying to think of the top of my head. Pittsburgh, Oakland, Tennessee, Tennessee, and New England. And my two and my two wild card teams were Kansas City and Cincinnati. There you go. Uh, I'm I'm really high on Baltimore. Um, Oh. I, I actually love the offense for Baltimore. I'm I'm not I'm not kidding. I I think that I think that Terrence West is a very capable starting running back, but they added Danny Woodhead and you have Jeremy Macklin and you have Mike Wallace and if you get anything at all from Brashad Perriman, like I just I, I really like the weapons that they have offensively, honestly. Interesting. I mean I think I think it's a really nice mix of talent. Um and defensively, like it they're not the same Ravens, but um I, I think that they're still pretty good on defense. A lot of people really like what they have. Um, I'm I'm high on Baltimore. I think Baltimore is making the playoffs. That's how I feel about Cincinnati. Everything you said about Cincinnati is exactly how I, or Baltimore is how I feel about Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Dalton's healthy. Joe Mixon addition. Solid running game. Eifert back. A.J. Green. Solid defensively. Yeah. I kind of feel like the Bengals are the Chiefs. Like They're kind of the same team. The only problem with the Bengals is they lost their two best offensive linemen yeah. uh, this offseason. Uh, I like – I'm high on the Houston Texans still. I think that defense might be the best in the league. Them in maybe behind Seattle, I guess. Mm. Especially uh, with Sheldon now, Seattle, dude. Seattle's defense yeah, Seattle's, is they're loaded. I don't even. Want I, I got them at number one. Sheldon now. might be loaded. <laughs> <laughs> I also like the Chargers. I, I think there's a good chance they win the AFC West. I think they had all those injuries last season. Hell, uh, hell has already started this year. Yeah, I mean the rookies. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, Denzel's on IR. It's and, been like the last five years. It's weird. Williams like, is going to play though. I saw he was off pups. He's going to be. There's all these more. studies like injuries kind of even out in the long term, except for the Chargers, and they've been <laughs> in like the bottom five for the last five years. So it's just kind of like you, you almost look at the organization kind of thing. But mm-hmm. I don't know. But they're set up. Their pass rushers, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, are great. They got great corners, Casey Hayward, and then Jason Verrett coming back at corner. I think the defense is going to be really good, and I still I have a thing for Philip Rivers. So. I think the Chargers. He's got a ton of weapons too, man. I mean, yeah, they got receivers for days because Keenan Allen went out. All these guys went out, and new guys stepped in, like Terrell Williams, and then that rookie tight end Hunter Henry. Like they've got got Inman, and they've got Travis Benjamin too. I mean, and and yeah, even if Gates goes down, even if Keenan Allen goes down, like they are already set up with other weapons. And then throw in Mike Williams, who could just be a wild card. Yeah, I think Mike Williams could have a really big season uh, for them. Yeah, I mean, sounds like San Diego could could be very good. I think Los Angeles. 
Yeah, I'm I sorry. still call him San Diego. Like I finally just adjusted to Los Angeles Rams. You got to give me a season and yeah. get adjusted yeah. to the San Diego yeah. Los Angeles Chargers. You got to give me a time. I was actually looking up a stat at one point, and there was there was listing as L.A. and I was like, where is San Diego? Like, I just couldn't find <laughs> them on figure. the list. That's how it was last year. I called them the St. Louis Rams up until like week twelve of the NFL mm-hmm. season. That I just got tired right. of the text line correcting right. me. Like it's it's Los Angeles, man. You know what the hell I'm talking about? Golly. Well, until they get a real stadium, I don't think they deserve to be called. Yeah, LA. you're just the Chargers. The Chargers. I, I love the idea of them playing in this like smaller stadium. It's like thirty seven thousand or something. I think it's less than that. I mean, I I actually really like it because I think that it can be like like really odd and intimidating. intimate and rowdy. Well, so but here's the thing though. It's like because of the way that it's built, like you are right on top of the field because it's a soccer stadium. Like it's intended to be like straight. Like there's not really sideline space in there. The like way those that college it's basketball courts that are just like right on there. Are you still watching soccer, man? Last time I talked to you, you were a very hardcore soccer guy. Still. Still. I actually... You I give this fad I will, up. No, I will, I will... I'm serious. <laughs> hey, soccer's about to break through in America this year. People, people down. don't like hearing it. That's the 20th consecutive year <laughs> Americans have thought that. After the Chiefs, I watch more soccer than football. Like... I, I watch more soccer games than like nationally televised NFL games. I watch the Chiefs and I watch soccer. I don't I don't know why I host podcasts. <laughs> I don't I don't know what we're doing. Get here. your man's. That's your man's right I, there. I don't know. I I try. I I tell him it's ridiculous every day, at least in my mind. I it's it's I weird, a, man. A daily I, text to him like stop watching soccer. No no you don't. Um, <laughs> I I love the NFL. I love football, man. But there's just I don't know. There's so, it's it's really weird because like I I like inherited the NFL. You know, my dad like took me to games, and it was something that just kind of got ingrained in me. And like how I came to love soccer was very organic. Um, I just like I just started watching it and really fell in love with the game. And I mean, I don't know. I can't get enough. I absolutely love it. I know that there's a lot of people that are like, whatever, that sucks, but. No, I mean, if you like soccer, that's probably... I, well, let's I talk it. USA soccer, then. I, un- I understand the appeal of soccer more. Like, I can't watch it on television. It does absolutely nothing for me. But, like, going to sporting, at least, like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Like, I went to I went to sporting games, and I don't know. Something, like, didn't register to me for the first couple times I went. And I went a few times. I probably went to, like, four or five games last year. It's mm-hmm. like, I got it. Like, I, I understand. Like, I can see... I, I've always argued about soccer is... I think what really harms it in America and, like, stops it from growing... It is hard to see the individual skill in players. Like in football, I can see the really good. Like you can have a really impressive twelve-yard run. Like you, you, you know, can make a couple guys miss. Mm-hmm. In soccer, it's just hard for me to tell who's good. Like if you don't score, it's hard for me to see who's good. And they don't score a whole lot, so it's just it's hard for me to see and appreciate the individual skill. Like in baseball, a guy can rob a home run. Like damn, that was a really impressive play. I just don't. I don't understand soccer enough to see those moments when it happened. So the the. The couple problems is that number one, like while the MLS is getting better, it's still not a, a league that's loaded with talent. And so, like if if what your exposure is is watching the MLS because they they land on ESPN, like you're not going to be impressed with the kind of talent because it's just that's that's not the elite level guys in the world. But the biggest problem that soccer has, and like you got you can joke about like oh soccer's going to break through. The biggest problem that they have is that. In America, they can't grow because they can't get the TV money. And they're not going to get the TV money because it's 45 minutes of no commercials and then like 10 minutes of commercials and then 45 minutes of no commercials. Like their opportunity to make money is by putting somebody on their jersey and then having like the the running video board inside the stadium. But 
all of the other sports have the running video board inside of the stadium too. And they have every single, they've got TV timeouts that are plugged into it and all that stuff. Like the TV contracts for soccer in America are so small. It just doesn't matter. And in all of the other countries in the world, they're not competing with anything. It's just soccer. Like that's what you get. So that's a fair point. I've never I heard mean, I've, I've, I heard. I just can't remember that argument being made. It's a very, very so it's fair like point. They, and that's the biggest. Like those, the teams in the MLS. Like as as more people get interested, and in some of like the bigger companies are willing to put more money into those the few sponsorships that they can get. It'll help the league grow. But like you're you're not gonna go out and spend the kind of money that they do on the the big time players because the teams don't have the money for it. It's not backed. Well, I mean, we gave you football and football talk here. You know what I mean? Like, guys, well, I got to talk about soccer for like two minutes. I, I mean, I, I have to. You're it. my guy. Thank I mean, you. I, I got to throw you that. You're my guy. I got to give you that. Ryan Scott Hall, his darkness. Plug your podcast. Plug where you can hear. You got to do that. That's always key. Uh, we are AHPKC, Chiefs podcast, across most platforms. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at his darkness. I'm sure. I'm sure everybody already knows that. <laughs> I don't, I don't see why I'm even plugging this. this. <laughs> I will tell Joel to put this on a uh, Airhead Pride too. I'll tell him. Oh yeah, I mean it'll. That's that's pretty much where you're okay. gonna find it. Um, is I just I is, be like, that's, hey, Joel. that's our landing page. Is I'll be like, Arrowhead Joel, Pride. we talked about the cheese for this long. You better put this. We need a post. Oh, it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll be all about it. Yeah, it'll it'll be on Airhead Pride. Obviously, you can you know download it on iTunes and all that stuff. So. But thanks, thanks, Carrington. It's obviously good to be able to sit in a professional studio. Yeah, it's yeah this feels very unamateur hourish. We should do this. That's why I didn't make any Bi-week. jokes or say any cuss words or anything. Oh, yeah. no, I, I don't feel right doing it. No, you're fine. Bye week. Let's do this again. Yeah. You guys want to do a bye week? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do it. Uh, for Carrington, for Ryan, for Nick, we out of here.